Bill? Bill? Bill Connors? Bill Connors, I thought that was you. Hi, how you doing? Thanks for watching. Hey, hey. Now, don't you tell me you don't remember me, because I sure as heck fire remember you. Not a chance. <laughs> Ned! Ryerson! Needle-nosed Ned, Ned the head, come on, buddy, Case Western High! Ned Ryerson, I did the whistling belly button trick at the high school talent show. Bing! Ned Ryerson got the shingles real bad senior year, almost didn't graduate. Bing! Again! Ned Ryerson, I dated your sister Mary Pat a couple times till you told me not to anymore. Well? Ned Ryerson? Bing! Bing! <laughs> so did you turn pro with that belly button thing, Ned, or...? Uh, no, Phil, I sell insurance. What a shock. Do you have life insurance? Because if you do, you could always use a little more. Am I right or am I right or am I right? Right, right, right. Ned, I would love to stand here and talk with you, but I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's all right. I'll walk with you. You know, whenever I see an opportunity now, I charge it like a bull. Ned the bull, that's me now. You know, I got friends of mine who live and die by the actuarial tables, and I say, hey, it's all one big crapshoot. Anywho, tell me, have you ever heard of single premium life? Because I think that really could be the ticket for you. Oh, God, it is so good to see you. Uh, what are you doing for dinner? Something else. It's been great seeing you, Needlehead. Take care. <laughs> Watch out for that first step. It's a doozy. stories are printing out on lavender paper today. Did somebody deliberately fill the printer with lavender paper or were they just too lazy to walk 50 feet to get the regular paper upstairs? It's beautiful. All right. Uh, I almost never say this. Can you lower my mic ever so slightly? Unsweet. Can you unsweeten it? Can you bitter up my microphone? Thank you so much. Make it only semi-sweet today. Excellent. Uh, why, hello. It is seven minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 and this the month of August. It's still August, right? Yes, it is. It's August until when? When is the first day of September? Go. I believe it's Monday, Labor Day. Are you bluffing? No. No. All right. Uh, anywho, in the month of August of the year of our Lord 2008, thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970. The talker of this, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us today. It is uh, Tuesday, and welcome to Day 12. If you'd like to join us today, and I know you would, uh, it's so easy a child can do it. It is uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. If you would like to uh, be part of today's program, perhaps to contribute your comments, questions, clarifications, kvetches, kvetches, two cents, what have ye. Ruminations on what exactly a clabber girl is. Uh, whatever it is you got to uh, pitch in today. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, able, and weird. Uh, he's there to pass along your observations about the interesting, groundbreaking, tedious, the mundane, uh, somewhere in between. Don't forget, I hold in my hands the sound of excitement. Uh, we are giving away today one random on-air caller, a copy of The Shield Season 6 on DVD. Uh, that is the entire sixth season of the FX series uh, The Shield on DVD today. Don't miss the final season of The Shield, which premieres this Tuesday. Well, that can't be right. Is it tonight? I thought it was next Tuesday. I thought it was Tuesday, uh, September 2nd. I thought 
I thought it was September 2nd. So. Damn you, Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Your vague copy points. Well, Sony Pictures Home Entertainment, who I think are not to be believed on this, they claim the final season of The Shield starts tonight at 10 p.m. Yeah, it's September 2nd. Yeah, well, they're lying to us. Passing along uh, fibs as truth. That's our job. Well, in any event, don't miss the final season of The Shield, which premieres next Tuesday at 10 p.m. only on FX. And pick up The Shield Season 6 in stores August 26th. That's today uh, from Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. So uh, one random on-air caller today wins a copy of The Shield, the entire sixth season on DVD. It's all very exciting. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, you want to join us today, you can also email. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Uh, Tim at 970.am. Richie with a T at 970.am. Or Kristen with an E at 970.am. Kristen Bowie ably filling in for Sarah Dillon, who is on vacation uh, in New York and with whom I spoke uh, this morning. So she, well, I'll let her tell the story. But uh, So she's a couple interesting stories to tell. We're going to talk to Sarah Dillon later on today around uh, 145 uh, or so. So, uh, and today we're going to go back to our goal, our pledge, our promise, our vow uh, to get to all calls within ten minutes. Because yesterday I was just, uh, I really just brought the suck yesterday in that regard, and it was just, it was no good. So uh, today, all calls answered theoretically uh, within ten minutes. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy five zero three seven three three. 970. Coming up later on today, Steve Kastenbaum will join us from Denver, Colorado, uh, where the convention started rolling last night in earnest with Michelle Obama speaking. And then I think they rolled out at least one Kennedy, didn't they, Tim? Yeah, Teddy and uh, Caroline also spoke. Can you also, I think somebody has turned up either all the processing or all the microphones. Yeah, because the levels were the same as yesterday. Someone's messing with anything that has to do with me. There was a little bit of an incident yesterday afternoon with Tim's News uh, where the beginning was real loud, the rest of it was real quiet, and none of it could be understood. It's going to be a one-day occurrence. Awesome. We're, all, we're all back on the horse, as of today. You know, I've heard a lot of people commenting, uh, not in a bad way, just that the processing in the building does seem to be vastly different over the last couple of weeks. It's not even the, so much the processing in here, it just seems to be the volume. Hmm. Or maybe I've developed that thing that Johnny Ramone had where suddenly everything is really extra loud because I was going deaf for so long and my brain is compensated. It's probably not it. Uh, in any event, uh, so they rolled out, what, Ted Kennedy yesterday? Yes. And then did you say that Caroline Kennedy was giving somebody a smackdown? Yeah. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it was Wolf Blitzer. Really? Yeah. Apparently, she doesn't like him at all. He must have said something to upset the family. He's on the wrong side of the Kennedys, which mm -hmm. is a bad place to be. You're on the wrong side of the Kennedys, you end up waterlogged. Right. Uh, well, in any event, so we'll talk about the convention. Uh, CNN radio correspondent Dick Uliano will join us today to answer the magical question, What's John McCain doing today? Do you connect with the rabble? What else? Uh, CNN radio correspondent James Roop uh, will join us from Los Angeles because I think there's no better way to connect with the rabble, with the common man, with the everyday clay of, of the New West, with morons, uh, than by going on the Jay Leno show. So I think McCain... He was either on Leno last night. I could, last night, I have some clips. Was it last night? Yeah. Was it just as gripping and, and comedic as I would expect something on the Leno show to be? It, it, it was just so rehearsed, right down to the last syllable. Well, because everything, because nothing on the Leno show is really spontaneous or interesting. It's no Carson funny. show. It no, never has been. It really isn't. And, you know, here's the thing about Carson, and this is a common canard, I think, on this show. The deal with Carson is that even when Carson was sort of operating off a script, it seemed spontaneous. Carson had... That very rare ability to make, to pass off the scripted as the spontaneous. Uh, to give even the sort of predetermined an air of spontaneity, which uh, you know, is just sadly lacking in his, uh, not a predecessor, whoever, whatever the thing is that's the opposite of a predecessor. What's the... Successor? Successor, there you go. 
So we'll talk about uh, Leno and McCain later on today because it's always good to know what's going on in the mind of the vast middle of America. What else is coming up today? Top five songs. This is we didn't get to this yesterday. Go figure. Top five rock songs written about a book. Uh, not about books, not about writing, not about literature in general. It'll be the top five rock songs written about a specific book. That'll come up later today. Uh, who here in the room has taken the new CBS Don't Harass People in the Workplace quiz? Oh, Tim? I haven't yet. No. Britain? They told me that I have to take it yet. You haven't? I haven't gotten the email. All right. Well, you know, Sarah hadn't gotten it either, so I uh, maybe it's only for men. Maybe it's only for the vast pig-like male uh, demographic here at CBS Radio Portland, which is vast and pig-like. I- I've been too busy following my CBS stock, but I, I will <laughs> revisit that. <laughs> I wasn't laughing. No, Let I know you weren't. You know, I, was I wouldn't la- laugh either, Tim. I was laughing. You wouldn't laugh if you saw it well. <laughs> I was laughing, Tim, but it's sort of a gallows humor just now. Uh-huh. That's a little bit of what they call whistling past the graveyard. Yes, we're laughing with you, Tim. Uh And also next to you and near you. (laughs) Never at you, though. All right. Well, you know, look at the bright side. It could be you could have intercom stock. That'd be worse. I know that'd be worth about two dollars. Were you here the day that Richie calculated how many hookers he could have purchased with the amount of intercom stock? In other words, how many hookers he had lost. Mm -hmm. If you're assuming that you're going to pay five hundred bucks an hour for a whore. He figured that he had lost something like 17 whores with the amount of, with the, like the plunge that his intercom stock had taken. And if taken. you're Richie, that's just depressing. Really? I mean, and if you're Richie, there are also only theoretical encounters of whores anyway. Yeah. Right? And if you want CBS stock, it's less whores. That's what I'm saying. Even though there might be one or two along the way. <laughs> uh, so I have this, uh, so I had to take the new, uh, the, I think it's the, the safe and comfortable workplace test or something or other. But, it, you know, it's just not about, like, leering at the bosoms of the new sales girl or whatever, which, you know, none of these... And these tests never have any effect anyway. Because here's the thing. I mean, you're either an ass or you're not. And if you're an ass, it doesn't really seem like taking a four-minute quiz from your company, whoever they might be, is really going to change that fact. If you're some jerk just comes in, like, slathered in cologne, leering at everybody... But Chet said you're going to be gone in three months anyway. Nobody even know your name. See, that's my thing. Is there's just such a high turnover. What does it really matter? It cracks me up because they don't make the interns from the community college take those tests. Is that true, really? Yeah. Well, I, I never had to take any of them. I guess if you're not an actual employee, maybe you don't have to take it. Yeah, but still, you'd think. Anyway, so I pulled some of the audio from... The, and it's a video quiz. It's not just oh, like... A, like remember we had to take that thing about, like, don't say that all Chinese waiters are something or other Irish or whatever it was. Yeah. You weren't supposed to say that all something or other, not all hairdressers were, you know, were, were from Cuba or something. There was, yeah. We had to take some tests about not making whatever, like cultural generalizations. And that was less interesting because it was just a written test. This one is visual and there's audio along with the two, which I've isolated. So we'll play that later on. Um, Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification today. So the continuing saga rose to the latest report is she has finally been untethered to be able to love her child. To love again. Mm-hmm. So we'll find out how long this love lasts. Did you see that photograph of the elephant, though, yesterday? Yes. Uh, did we determine... Well, no, you actually posted it. It was I you did. who put it up. Did we determine if that was the mother or the child? The mother. That, it looks it looks too old to be a child. See, but, but that, I was thinking the same thing, but then you realize, well, elephants are all big and wrinkly. How would you really know an old elephant from a young elephant? What does the tell? If you compared the baby elephant to the mother, it, they were two different colors. Oh, I didn't see the, yeah. uh, the, one, the, was the black, other one. one was more gray. Oh, I only saw that one photo that Tim put up, which I thought only had a picture of the one elephant. Yeah, the ar- actual article had a picture of the baby oh. elephant above it. And the photo was so closely cropped, you couldn't get any sense of scale, but it looked evil. It looked like it needed to be killed with fire. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, Huffing is blamed for a deadly crash in Maryland County. A former trailblazer is dead. A guard survives two tours in Iraq, only to be killed back home in his California prison job. A plot to kill Barack Obama unravels. 
The Obamas are presented as the Huxtables at the DNC convention where Ted Kennedy gives a stirring speech. Tonight, it's Hillary's turn to shine. And John McCain and his wife campaign with Latino rapper Daddy Yankee. Well, okay then. It's 503-733-2970. We're joined today by Kristen Bowie. Hello, how are you? I'm good. I'm a little freaked out by the helicopters flying over my house last night. But... Here's the thing. We'll talk about that in a second, and it dovetails with what I was doing last night, because I was, uh, we'll talk about Weird Al in a moment, because I was uh, in Salem to see the Weird Al show last night, uh, and then to take in, we had we had really, and I know I'm tromping all over your what you did last night thing, but I have to say, my wife and I really did have the greatest, like, all-American experience wandering around the fair uh, afterward, is eating terrible food and playing overpriced games. Uh, it really was. It is all that makes this country great. I mean, I, it was like, it was all I could do not to start singing Jack and Diane uh, in any event. But I got home, and then there was like, you know, there were helicopters all over the city. And I was gone, and I missed the whole thing. So what what gives? An area man wants to know what is up with that. Apparently, um, the, the Portland police were teaming up with the Defense Department to do drills over the city. All I know is I was walking around my dog with my dog <laughs> yeah exactly and they're really low and they're flying information and every 20 minutes or so they'd circle back around southeast and we're like what get and were these uh and people say that you know, people use the phrase black helicopters as like a gag i mean they're really obvious the black helicopters are they DE. were black they're de yeah. they're typically dea helicopters yeah. although i guess department of defense so were they just sort of hovering around the city just doing a whole lot of nothing freaking people out yeah i've seen news copters go higher than those copters were oh. so it was a little were they in your neighborhood tim no we don't have that type oh, of course not no only in southeast and in downtown. Of course, it's got to be southeast. The traffic helicopters do fly out of the Hillsborough Airport, which isn't far from where I live. No, but you don't get the but you don't get the scary helicopters out there. No, we get the air show. That's true. <laughs> That's pretty scary if you live in that neighborhood. Yeah. That, that makes yeah. up for a whole year full of scares. All thrown into three sure. days. Oh, you know what? Well, next August, you know, I'm going to be flying in one of those jet angel, uh, Blue Angel jets next August. Okay. So, you know, so about 10 months from now, it's like the Rick Emerson panic clock is going to start to... special sort of horrifying. DEFCON 1, yeah. Uh, anyway, so I got all these emails from people that are like, there are helicopters over my house last night. I don't know what I did. And I, I don't know whether they have the spotlight going or like... You know, they put a, I had a friend of mine one time who was in Idaho, and he was sort of driving around on the, the boondocks up in Idaho doing something or other. And the DEA does fly black helicopters. This is where those sort of idiot conspiracy stories all come from. Well, they're like the Model T of helicopters. They only come in one color. <laughs> and, um, the, the DEA flies these black helicopters over Idaho to look for drug crops because people will go out, and they'll be in the middle of a field of something else. Like, you know, whatever, like a wheat field or, you know, a field of clover or something, and they'll cut down everything in the middle and they'll grow pot or something like in the middle of the field. And so the only way you can see is to fly over. Anyways, this friend of mine is out and he's like, I don't know, he's like going four-wheeling or fishing or he's doing some crap. And he's way off like in the Idaho backwoods and this black helicopter comes over him and he looks up and he has the full-on, like the red laser pointy thing comes down out of the helicopter like on his chest. And he looked down and he's like, ah! You know, and he looked down and you see that like the we're about to kill you thing. And then the red light turned off and it flew away. And there's a friend of mine who is not given to, to flights of fancy or to tales of the absurd. So I absolutely believe him when he tells me the story. Apparently, the guess was that they were probably looking for somebody else. He happened to be out there. They dropped the red target sight on him, and then they go, oh, wrong guy, go, go. You know, and they just sort of skedaddle into the night. So uh, what time was this last night? Um, it was it was in between like 8 and 10 last night. Uh, yeah. So a good solid two hours uh -huh. of paranoia. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, well, between 8 and 10 last night, and then we'll, uh, let's see, we've already got people calling in. Somebody about a pig roast, presumably not the KUFO pig roast. Somebody calling about Ned Ryerson. Ryerson! Uh, I will say that between 8 and 10 last night, uh, I was in Salem at the Oregon State Fair, 
I have copy points for that? I don't know. So big you can't not go or something like that. 9,000 things to see you do and whatever. And we were hoping to get there early enough that we could see, like, all the cool, like, livestock, like, this. You know, where you get like the Steve Zahn guy who's there with, I'm oh, here with my, yarn. I'm here with my pig and we're going to win that blue ribbon or whatever. And we didn't, uh, we didn't get a chance to do it because we got there kind of late. But so we walked around for about 40 minutes, met some listeners uh, before the show. Then we went to see Weird Al. All I'm going to say is, let me just read a couple of these emails about Weird Al. Then I'll make my own comments. Then we'll kind of move on because it's a thing that happened last night. And uh, there's no sense in just uh, going on and on about a thing you cannot see. This just says, Rick, Wow says, all caps, wow, greatest show ever. Al was on stage for two hours last night. In between songs, he did a change of clothing, and he played bits from Al TV. Uh, during the Jedi song, he had Stormtroopers and Darth Vader. He even had cheerleaders during the Nirvana song. What a show. If you get Weird Al again, uh, get him on for four hours. He is a genius. Uh, then we got this one. Rick, uh, I saw you last night as I was entering the Weird Al show and decided as a fellow misanthrope to leave you be rather than pestering you and mumbling incoherently and geeking out. And when people always say that, like, I saw, I saw you in public and then I decided not to say hello, I would say with Tim that's probably an advisable strategy, because Tim will have you killed. Uh, with me... People still say hi to me, though, every day. Really? Yeah, walking around downtown. You can't stop them, Tim. No, I can't. I uh, tried. Uh, maybe if you just quit bathing, you know what I mean? Well, that could be. Uh, maybe you ought to get a homeless person disguise that you put on as you're leaving the station. But, but a lot of them are far away, like a block or two down. And they're like, hey, Tim! Exactly. Yeah. Um... Well, I was going to be, it's not like I'm the Pope or whatever, just come up and say hello. Uh, anyway, this guy says, I have to say you were spot on about Weird Al, even the from the effing nosebleed seats. Uh, it was the best damn live show I've ever seen. F the big name acts with triple digit, uh, triple digit ticket prices and phone the performances. They got schooled by the mic that is Weird Al. Looking forward to tomorrow, best show ever, Sean in Salem. I have to say, uh, this is the second time I've seen Weird Al Yankovic live. And I have to concur with that guy. I'm not going to say it's the best live show I've ever seen. I mean, it might be. And i got to say, when I saw Kiss and Poison a couple years ago, that that was pretty fantastic. When I saw Queensryche do Mind Crime all the way through, that was pretty fantastic. But here's the thing about Weird Al last night. And I'm not going to go on about it because we were talking about him for a good chunk of last week and yesterday. But Weird Al really does get short shrift. People don't really give him the credit that he deserves because they're like, oh, that guy just sings the funny parody songs. And he does, obviously, that's a big part of what he does. He also does a lot of originals. There's also a fantastic amount of production value that goes in. But I'm just going to tell you this. They said 8 o'clock on the ticket, 8.01, Weird Al Yankovic went on stage. Huge, great, over-the-top video introduction. Weird Al Yankovic performed last night without an intermission, without stopping, without taking a break for two and a half hours. He did, over the course of two and a half hours, I would say, conservatively speaking, between 15 and 20 costume changes. Uh, He had big, uh, uh, really fantastically produced video interstitial segments that went between some of the songs. He went out into the crowd. He was working the people. He did the Saga Begins, which is the American Pie Star Wars song. He had a whole line of uh, singing and dancing stormtroopers and Darth Vader out on stage. He had the cheerleaders come out for Smells Like Nirvana. He did the full Amish thing for uh, Amish Paradise with the band. That band of his uh, is incredibly tight as well. If I heard the names correctly, that's the same band that he's had with him for about 23 years now. Uh, so that's two, so good to hear. I'm just, you know, and you got to figure Weird Al at this point has got such a devoted fan base. He could just do that. He could just phone it in, man. He could just walk mm. out and say, "Go, all right, uh, Yoda, eat it. I'm fat," you know, and then just walk off stage. But you know, he sells it. That guy delivers. He gives the people what they came to see and more. 
And I'm going to say two and a half hours of nonstop entertainment, video, production value, costume changes, 25 bucks I paid for that. That's awesome. I mean, really. I, I mean, it, I paid $40 for a worse show. I was, at the end of last night's Weird Al show, Laura and I were like, that is so much better than any number of shows I paid $95 to see. Mm-hmm. So, that is you know. Good. It really was. Uh, it really was fantastic. So, God bless you, Weird Al. You are doing uh, the Lord's work. I'll do uh, a couple of calls here, and then we'll get a few notes about the fair. Then we'll take a break. Oh, i got to talk about how I went to the doctor yesterday oh, after yeah. not eating for 19 hours. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? Uh, well, I, I can barely hear you, but... Uh, Hello! What? What? <laughs> what, what? <laughs> um, I'm guessing that you take uh, the Ross Island Bridge on the way to work. Yes, sir. And uh, you go by that building where there's a bunch of uh, ne'er-do-wells trying to get daily uh, work. Yes, I do. Um, and there's a big sign there that says Ryerson. Yeah, it's, uh, but that, now let's be very clear. This is not the place with the ne'er-do-wells. Uh, right. The place it's you're talking door. about is like a hardwood store. Yeah. Right, it, it's next door. And every time I go by there, I go, Ned Ryerson. Me too. Like, I can't stop myself from doing it. Every time I go by them in the morning, I either say or I think, Ned. Ryerson, yeah, that guy has totally corrupted our all of our all of our thoughts. He's also Werner Brandeis in sneakers. Uh, which, he's the girl. He's the guy that the what's her guts has to go on a date with, and she has to get him to say passport. So right. I, I love that guy. He's all over the place. He is. All right. But, well, I'll always remember him as Ned Ryerson uh, to my grave because of that sign that's on my way to work too. He's engraved on the brains of a generation, sir. Yeah, well, right. best show ever. Thank you. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hello, is this me? Yes, it is. Hello, sir. Rick, I got a great pig roast story. I, I okay. have pig roast at my house every year, and we finally got it down to a science where we have a good place to get a pig from. Uh huh. Tim, are you taking notes? Year we had to get yeah. a pig. Uh huh. Sent a buddy of mine out to a farmer's place. Gets mean, out of the car. A farmer's place. Uh, you mean a farm? Pick, pick one. Uh huh. My buddy says, uh, "I guess that one." So the farmer, farmer pulls a gun out and shoots the thing wow. right in front of him. <laughs> that one. Bam. <laughs> Basically, just drops the thing there and says, "Do you bring a garbage bag or anything to put it in?" So luckily, the guy was kind enough to give us a garbage bag to wrap this poor pig up in, and you know, it, it kind of started on an ill note. But yeah, we've got it down to a science. It is the cycle of life. Yes, it is. And yeah. in Dayton, there's a place where you can get one with an actual USDA stamp on the tucus if you want. The tucus. All so. right, excellent. This is a great call. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, there you go. Well, what are you going to do? I'm not squeamish about such things. I don't go uh, killing animals for for fun or sport or whatever, but I mean, you know, it's not like you can cook it while it's alive, and you can, but that would just be weird. Uh, all right, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Chris, are you a vegetarian? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, I I I had to get off of it when I hurt myself because the doctor's like, well, if you don't eat protein, you right. won't heal up right. Wait, but... so you the doctor made you eat meat? Mm-hmm. Tim, are you listening to this? Eat meat. This is kind of a quack doctor. What kind of a doctor makes you eat meat if you're a vegetarian? Can't you just take surgeon? They can't just eat spinach or some crap or soybeans or some garbage. Well, that... when you can't really like walk, it's hard. What is that thing that nuts are high in fat, and that's kind of like where you get your protein from nuts is... and beans and stuff when you're a vegetarian? What is that swill that vegetarians are always telling you about? Like you don't need meat to get protein. You can get it from a bag of walnuts. You can, you can, but you also have to. Keep active, and it's hard to do that when you have one leg. Oh, I see. So, what kind of meat did you eat? Chicken. Really? Did you enjoy it? No. Did you feel guilty? Yeah. What is your deal with being a vegetarian? If I'm asked, is that a health thing or a don't kill animals thing or both? Don't kill animals thing. All right. I'm wearing leather shoes and a leather belt. You know that's this watch band leather. You know I'm I'm for freedom of choice. I really am. 
I'm not going to push my views. I'm not Timmy Ryan. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, People I'm, think I'm Timmy Ryan. I just wanted to make like full I'm disclosure sorry. there so I didn't get a glare from you later on. Oh, by the way, can I tell you, that, remember that place, the Pirate's Tavern? Yeah. It's like a vegan restaurant. We can talk about it now because it's no longer in business. Uh, but we, it was a vegan restaurant for which we did some advertising, and they're no longer uh, operating. They gave you tons of food. They really did. They were but, good. But, you know, that guy's like a full-on, you know, it's like a political thing with him. Like, you yeah. know, the animals are people, too, and yeah. all that stuff. Uh, which is, you know, whatever, to eat his own. Uh, but, uh, or to eat his own. But uh, when, we, when we went there for the meeting, I realized in horror, later on, I had leather belt, leather shoes, leather bag, and was wearing, in fact, a black leather jacket. Realized it on the way you out. You are so lucky to get a lecture. Oh, no, for the love of... Because <laughs> right. I've met that guy. He's, he's great. He's but, a true yeah. believer. Uh, all right. Well, speaking of health, uh, so let me just say, we'll talk more about the fair here later on. Let me just say, uh, so I went to uh, the, doctor, the, the doctor last night. I had to do, they're doing my cholesterol, basically. They're doing my cholesterol, mm-hmm. vitamin D, and something about my thyroid or whatever. Uh, but I go in as if, you know, you got to have your blood drawn. And if you heard the show yesterday, you heard me sort of give this explanation. But if you didn't, I was a little loopy yesterday because... As part of getting your blood taken, like, you can't eat for 12 hours. But the thing is, I'd forgotten that I was getting my blood taken. Anyway, long story short, yesterday was Monday. Uh, I ate Sunday night at 8 p.m. That's when I had my dinner. Sunday night, 8 o'clock, had some dinner. Wake up Monday morning. Hey, can't wait to have myself some breakfast. Look at my day planner as I'm preparing breakfast because I'm lame. And my day planner says, doctor's appointment, don't eat. And I went, oh, for the love of... And so, anyway, the long story short is... By the time I went to the doctor's office yesterday, I had not eaten for 21 hours. Uh, so I was 21 hours, no food, lots of caffeine, no visa allowed, though. And it's amazing how much that lack of visa really affects you. Oh, it's on sale at Freddy's, too, I wanted to tell you. So I was just, like, wandering, and I'm seeing dead relatives, and it's just, you know, just walking into the doctor's office, like, oh, please, I just need to get my blood. Uh, and, but amazingly, I'm not going to tell some horror story about it. It took me forever. I was, literally, I walked to the lab. It's like, take a number, one. She, and then she does the whole one, and I'm like, "That's me." And so I sit down and they jam the uh, the needle in, which didn't didn't hurt. Uh, but it's just weird. I don't mean to gross anybody up, but it's just weird to sit there and watch blood pour out of your body. Because well, I shouldn't look, especially when it's your own. See, and I'm not squeamish about it. I don't. It doesn't matter to me. I mean, I, I got a pretty strong constitution for that. But you're sitting there looking at this tube, you know, or whatever this vial attached to your arm, and you're going, "Well, that's weird. Blood is just pouring out of a hole in my body. How odd." So they're doing the whole thing, and. Uh, I guess the story isn't really as exciting as I thought it would be, except to say that literally five seconds after I was done with yesterday's test, I was in reaching into my uh, my shoulder bag to get a sandwich, which I had brought with me. So I'm not even on the way you out. I'm passing by other people in the waiting room who are probably fasting, and I'm just, oh, it's so good. It's putting this, like, ham and Swiss sandwich, like, in two bites, gone, done. I wonder how many people actually, like, walk out of there just stuffing oh, their Oh, dude, I wasn't food. even, I was walking by people in the waiting room going, hey, I'm going to eat this sandwich now. Uh, and then the next sandwich was by a visa, which was fantastic. All right. Uh, I don't have time to talk about the, the fair, but we'll talk about that maybe later on. Uh... We don't have time to talk about Michelle Obama or any of these notes I made to myself last night, but they'll be gotten to. Um, well, let's take a break. We'll come back after this. Uh, we will talk to CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop around the corner. Later on, your phone calls and more, and Tim Riley at noon. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere.
Why, hello, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, Cena Radio Correspondent Dick Giuliano, Steve Kastenbaum, Nina Parker from TMZ. Forgot about that. Uh, what else? Top five rock songs written about a book and so forth. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles. And radio correspondent to the stars, James Roop. Hello, sir. How's, li- How's life, brother? How are things? Things are beautiful, man. I like talking to you in the morning. You know, it makes the rest of my day go a lot better. Puts a smile on your face for the remainder of your work period. You know, I'm telling you. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this is all true. All right. So it, it, <laughs> I was just, I didn't know how to end that, so I just sort of let it figure hey, away into nothing. Fine. That's fine. Uh, you know, it always, I was just going to say, it kind of weirds me out, though, because, you know, traditionally we have you at like 115, 205. So then when we talk to you in the morning, then it's like my brain kind of starts to fold in half. It's like uh, it's like uh, drinking that Crystal Pepsi when it came out. It's like tastes like Pepsi, looks like Seven Up, and then your brain kind of folds in on itself. <laughs> um, in any event, so did you go to the um, did you go to the to the Tonight Show thing? Was that the last night that he did that? Yeah, it was last night. Yeah. Did, did you go? Uh huh. And uh, was it uh, was it as gripping and comedically cutting edge as one might expect? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it was you know I yeah I I don't I, I don't know. Jay Leno's politics. You know, it's he's, it's kind of hard to nail, to nail down. Well, the thing I think about, he's a Republican I, because of his friendship with Schwarzenegger. How many times he has Schwarzenegger on? And you kind of get that sense uh, from Jay Leno, though, that he he tries so hard to be sort of the absolute, to be non-offensive, to not you know to not rub anybody the wrong way, to sort of be everything to everybody. Well, that's what tonight the Tonight Show is supposed to be yeah. about, I guess. But I, it, it would be nice, I think, if. If Leno would once in a while say, you know, I don't agree with that. Right. Well, that's the great thing about Letterman. When you watch Letterman now and again, uh, not very often, but just often enough to get the sense that you're sort of watching a real person, Letterman will just, you know, he'll call somebody out on something, not to the same extent that like a John Stewart would, but Letterman in a way is sort of a middle ground between John Stewart and Jay Leno. Yeah, I've seen uh, Letterman say something like, well, explain that one to me. I saw the greatest thing one time ever when Rush Limbaugh was on the Letterman show. This is uh, some years ago. And Rush is sitting there, and, you know, he's I, he was pimping a book or something at that point. And, you know, Rush is kind of there being his bombastic self. And, and Letterman had the greatest – Letterman can get away with saying things because of his delivery and the sort of tenor of his show. Letterman can get away with saying things that nobody else could, and they don't come off as offensive. They come off as just sort of, you know, quirky. And so Rush is sitting there, and Letterman says, you know, Rush, do you ever just get up in the morning and just think to yourself, God, I'm just full of hot gas. <laughs> And I mean, everybody was like, yeah, you know, it was just a great, and amazingly, <laughs> it didn't come off as offensive or jerky. It was like, it. Letterman can sort of frame those things as honest questions somehow. And Leno always seems like it came right out of a focus group with him. Beautiful. So anyway, what did McCain have to say? Anything? Uh, no, you know, Leno uh, threw some softballs. They joked a little bit about age. You know, the, what, two two funny things happened. Uh, and I think those are the two real sound bites that came out of that show. Was when Leno uh, said, "Hey, you know what? Uh, you know, I know you're having a birthday this week." And he says, "And McCain says, thank you very much for you know mentioning that." Right. And then Leno said something like, "You know, we were going to have a cake here, but you know, the fire marshal said the number of candles was you know." So that was little. That was funny. And then um, because everybody jokes about McCain's sure, age. Yeah. And then the thing about the running mate. I thought that was pretty good. I thought that was well set up. And I didn't now see it. I realized, I didn't see any of this last night. So what was the what was oh, the running well, he mate? Was sitting, and he said, look, I know everybody wants to know about my running mate, but wouldn't it be nice to have somebody that uh, uh, has no real political 
I forgot what the actual verbiage was, but no real political stance either way. He's, uh, you know, somebody who's well-grounded, uh, somebody who may need a job at that time. And, and then the audience started to get it. Oh, you mean, and Leno starts oh, to kind of yes. do that little smirky head bob over at uh, whoever that guitarist is. on Right, show. right. And uh, Eubanks. And um, and, and it, all of a sudden, everybody goes, woo, yeah, woo. And Leno says, yeah, I'd love it, but uh, I'll make more in a, I'll make more during a week in Vegas. Huh. You know, so. See, hey, which ties, sort of ties into something else. When is Leno, when is his gig up there? Uh, I think in uh, a year. Okay, so it is not. So it's not the end of this year. It's the end of '09. Yes. And then it gets handed over to Conan. Yeah. And then some uh, person unknown to us takes over Conan's gig. Yeah. All right. It's just gonna be. It's gonna be like a, whatever. Someone has to take that slot over because it's very popular. It's gonna be like 1992 all over again. Yeah. You know? I mean, less interesting, I suppose. Hey, how about you put your hat in the ring for that? Yeah. Well, you know what? Well, hey, look, I tell you this. You know, Conan had. I'm not going to say he had no qualifications, but he did have, in fact, zero television experience. I think. I well, mean, on on camera. On camera. Stuff, yeah. I think the, I think the most TV experience Conan ever had is I think he was actually like sort of third man from the left in the background at SNL in a couple of sketches. <laughs> I mean, he, you know, he did he wrote for the Harvard uh, Lampoon and all that though, so he does uh, he does he he has several things over on me in that regard. But if you have, here's an interesting thing: have you ever seen any of the or or even read the transcripts of any of Conan's audition shows? Not his first show is when he got the gig, but like the show where he auditioned for Lorne Michaels uh, to get that late night slot. No, oh man, it's 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 great. It's so awkward. I mean, you can tell he just the great thing, and now we're just all over the place. But the great thing about Conan is he just is so earnest. You know, like he just means well. He's you kind of expect him to be wearing overalls and saying like, "Oh shucks," <laughs> you know, he just like he ought to have straw in his teeth or something. He's just so gosh darn American. But there's this moment where Conan is doing this audition show for Lorne Michaels, and he, you can tell he is either really nervous or just keeps forget keeps forgetting that he's, you know, sort of uh, theoretically on camera during this whole thing. Because I think he says, like, the S-word twice during an interview. <laughs> and, you know, Lorne Michaels later was like, I don't know, I have no idea what we were thinking, you know. And it's one of those things where even now, if you look back at the selection of Conan, even on, even even now, if you, in retrospect, it makes no sense. I mean, he worked out very well, obviously, but on paper, it was just like a disaster in the making. So as much as people like to say that network TV never takes any chances... Yeah, Conan. Well, they did with Conan. He was know. a wild card, man. He really was. So. It worked out. It, although you have to remember, or you have to admit, if you remember, uh, the, those first few shows, oh, that first awful. week or so, you were going, oh, mm -hmm. I don't know about this guy. They were awful. In fact, uh, back in the mid-90s, I think they were taking Conan's first couple years, and they were showing them in syndication on, like, MSNBC or CNBC, one of those NBC uh, cable channels, and they were they were kind of cringe-inducing. I mean, they were they were bad. Um, yeah, he definitely gets most improved player. You know, but it's like, but he is like anybody. You listen to my first, you know, I used, I've lost it, I think, but I used to have, I've lost two things over the years. Uh, first, my innocence. No, um, I've lost <laughs> two you pieces. You ever really have it? No, I've lost two pieces of audio over the years. I've lost the very first air check I ever made when I was maybe 14. I lost that in one of my moves because, like an idiot, I never labeled it. I just stuck it into a box and took it with me everywhere I moved. Never bothered to write on it like, don't lose this. So I've lost that, and I uh, no longer have, same reason, unlabeled tape, probably bulked to put, like, commercial demos on. I lost the very first air truck of me doing a talk show. Uh, my very first night as a talk show, so I can't find that. I don't know where it went. But 
you talk about most improved players. Not like I'm any great shakes as a radio host now, but boy, you listen back to me, and I was just like a just like a the spastic freak. I mean, it was just insane. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, but so it is with everybody. Leno actually, Leno, I believe purchased and now will not allow to be aired like the first year of his Tonight Show run. Really, I thought his first year was pretty good. Well, because a lot of it has to do with Helen Kushnick. Um, and the fact that Helen Kushnick, who was his manager at the time, put all her grubby, evil fingerprints all over those shows. And Leno, uh, Leno apparently thinks that that first year he was on NBC, on NBC, on NBC, just has such a bad vibe that he doesn't even want anybody to see him. Uh, so I think he bought that first year from NBC, and they're not in syndication. So. Wow. They never talk about him like he's dead. Uh, <laughs> you can work all this into your obituary. Just get it written, put it in a file somewhere. There you are. All right, brother. Uh, anything else going on in the great, uh, the Golden State, the Sunshine State? Whatever uh, it is? No, not really. I mean, we got Michael Jackson's birthday coming up at the end of the week. He's, He's going to be 50, right? 50 years old on Friday. I'm trying to get a hold of Latoya, Randy, Jermaine, somebody to give a little reminiscence of their baby brother now that he's turning 50 right. years old. Not baby brother, but I guess he's the, the I guess Randy's the baby. All right. One word, two syllables Tito. You gotta go, Tito Jackson. Nobody ever, nobody ever talked. This really, honestly, I would like to see somebody do a little mini investigative piece to like, where is Tito Jackson? What does he do for a living? I mean, does he get money? I mean, uh, seriously, does he get money from Michael or not? Like, he, I mean, I can't imagine Tito Jackson's got a big like revenue stream coming in. No, but he may have changed his name and is a lawyer somewhere for all we know. <laughs> That's true. You know? We should totally start an urban legend that that Tito Jackson is actually um, – what, what, what's believable? What can we say, like a lawyer or maybe like a low-level, like a junior? Or he bought a beer distributorship in – Milwaukee, or he's like a powerful, uh, he's like a powerful, like uh, like city councilman somewhere or something, or uh, he's like an assistant to the mayor, something that is, you know, that's big enough that you'd make some money, but small enough to be believable. We should completely start a legend about where Tito Jackson is right now. I'll think about that. All right, you think on that, brother. Uh, are you on tomorrow, sir? Yes, sir. All right, we'll talk to you then. Enjoy your day. Thank you, coach. There you go, James Roof, ladies and gentlemen. I dig that guy. All right, Tito Jackson. Uh, Kristen Bowie, and I know you can't. Can you name all of the Jackson siblings? Tito, Jermaine, LaToya, Janet, and that's about where I... See, but I'm bluffing because I don't really even know. Yeah. I mean, that might actually be uh, the total Jackson sibling count right there. Tito, Jermaine, LaToya, Michael, Janet. Did I already say Tito? Of course I did. Uh, that yeah. might be it. I left out Michael because... I mean, are there other... Seven. Are there other... Well, Jackson... Well, wait, Jackson 5, I say, sounding dumb... Michael, Janet, LaToya, Tito, Jermaine. Were they all in the Jackson 5? LaToya wasn't in the Jackson 5. I, I didn't think she was. Well, that means that there's another Jackson sibling we're forgetting. I know I'm losing street cred with everybody. You don't have to be fine with that. Okay, one more time. This is gripping radio. Michael, Janet, Tito, Jermaine, LaToya. Okay, that is five. Yeah. But I don't think... That either Janet or Latoya That's were in I the thought. Jackson Five. Were it was all, all it was all boys. Okay? Yeah. But then who are the other two Jackson brothers? Even if you count his dad, that's uh, that's only four. All right, somebody will call and tell us this. Don't look it up. Somebody will call. Uh, I want to try to puzzle it out myself. <laughs> if you look it up, don't tell me the answer. I want to see. If, I want to see if somebody knows it, and somebody will. Uh, all right, one more time, and then we'll take this call. Uh, then we'll have uh, Dick Uliano joining us. Uh, we can talk about the fair last night. We had this harassment quiz. Tim Riley, Steve Kastenbaum, Sarah Dillon. Jesus, what a day. Oh, and also, uh, at 1 o'clock today, we're going to talk to our first uh, entrant in the 
Well, the first interviewee, anyway, in the Rick Emerson Birth of a Salesman contest. Uh, as you know, we asked people to, uh, we're looking for, you know, the next great American salesperson here for uh, AM Line 70. So we've had people uh, entering their submissions. And so we've narrowed it down to 10 semi-semi-finalists or demi-finalists, whatever you call it. And so we're going to do 10 sort of callbacks. Wait, legal told me I'm not supposed to call them callbacks. Whatever. We're going to phone 10 people and talk to them. And then of that, five will come in eventually and sit in the studio and be grilled mercilessly. And then three will get an interview with the general sales manager. And then perhaps one will get a job. Blah, blah, blah. See complete rules at 970.am. Is there an alarm? Yes. Is there a station off the air? Is it us? I don't know. You hit the air monitor. There's an air monitor over there. No, we're still on the air. Fantastic. All right, there you go. Not us. Not us. That's all that matters. Anyway, so we'll do that. That's coming up at 1 o'clock. Uh, let's see here. Uh, let's get a couple of these, then we'll talk to Cena Radio correspondent Dick Liliano. That is an off-air alarm, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's KUFO because right. Brian just went running in there. One, two, three, not it. Hello, sir. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, is this me? Yes, it is. Is This uh, This is Dante the Cab Driver. This is. Yes, hello. And sir. you guys are still on the air because I can see on my graphic equalizer. Excellent. So, uh, yeah, the, the last two Jacksons you're missing are uh, Randy and Jesse, by the way. Okay, they Thanks weren't. So much. Um, that was the thing that had to go through like three different processors in my brain before I decided how to respond, and now it's too late. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I was listening to podcasts a little while back, and yeah. I heard you say that you'd like to talk someday with the guy that signed the Beatles for Capitol Records. Well, there was a guy who passed on the Beatles. Oh, but that was at DECA, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because there's a guy I who passed look- on them at DECA. He said guitar groups were on the way out. And then there's like a guy who signed them at Capitol, yes. Well, through a strange twist of circumstances, I'm actually friends with the guy that used to be president of Capitol Records at that time. Really? That, uh, yeah. Yeah, his name is uh, Artie Kornfeld. And um, I could get in touch with him and see if he'd be interested in, in uh, calling up and talking with you if you, you if you were actually serious. You're people who knows people. Well, I'm people that knows a people. Excellent. <laughs> All right, yeah, but no, please do that. I would be uh, I'd be very interested in that. But yeah, okay. All right. That'd be that'd be great. Thank um, you. Okay. Yeah, thanks. And we're done. Okay. There you go. Thank you, sir. Uh it's 503-733-2970 coming up at noon. It is Tim Riley at the noon news hour. This, however, is CNN Radio Correspondent Dick Giuliano. Hello, sir. How are you today? Hey, good day from Washington, Rick. Um let me ask you this real briefly before we plunge on ahead. Uh, and there's no real, I mean, I guess there is a right answer, but I don't know what it is. We're trying to name all five members of the Jackson Five. Are you any help on this? <laughs> well, can I just say Michael, Jermaine, uh, I don't know, Tamika, Tawan. I, I got Tito. but I Tito, think, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, and then I don't think either Latoya or Janet, but that's leaving two Jackson Right, Jermaine, just, Jermaine is another. Yeah, I got nothing. See, it's it's one of those, it's going to, you know what it is? It's like when you uh, lose a tooth and then you keep running your tongue over the spot where the tooth used to be. So it is with this <laughs> Jackson 5 thing. Well, all right, we'll move on. Um, uh, all right, so it's sort of interesting. So Obama went on vacation a couple weeks ago, right? right. He was in Hawaii for a while. Uh, and I don't think McCain took any time off. And now McCain also McCain can't take a time off probably ever again, right? He's probably got to be got to be on the horse all the way through the uh, through the, the the election. McCain can't take any uh, time off the road, I would think. Now uh, that's a great point, Rick. He's the underdog. If he has any hope of winning, uh, he's going to have to keep at it. And uh, you point out that uh, 
Um, Obama took a vacation in Hawaii while he was gone. Remember, look what happened to the poll numbers right. because McCain kept at him, and now uh, the CNN polls uh, indicate that it's, it was a dead heat going into this week's Democratic convention. You know, traditionally, uh, when these parties have their convention, the other side lays off. Boy, all of those rules just don't apply anymore. Um, you know, years ago, they, you know, the uh, other candidate would go on a fishing expedition uh, out in Idaho, but, uh, you know, McCain had a speech today in Phoenix to the American Legion. He was on David Letterman last night, and he's just keeping up a sort of a relentless uh, barrage against Obama, you know, trying to make some headway. Well, you know, the fishing expedition also has a different meaning now because it's just all about, uh, you know, opposition research yeah, uh, yeah. and trying, trying to dig something. I mean, as you said, this really is, and I know we say this every four years, but it does really seem like it's true that the, the rules have kind of, I think, forever yeah. changed. And yeah. just, there's no, you know, it used to be in television that you would have the regular season of 22 episodes, then you would have a whole, se- you know, the whole summer or whatever of reruns, and now that's not the case. Now it's year-round seasons, and so it is in politics. There is no downtime anymore. You know, you know there were also, Rick, I think, you know, I don't think it's a stretch to say that there is sort of a diminishment a little bit in, in the civility of it all, too. Look at it this way. Um, this week, we have uh, McCain's press operation in Denver at the Democratic right. Convention. Right. What? What are the Republican, what's the Republican press operation doing in Denver? Mitt Romney, who's sort of auditioning uh, to be McCain's running mate, also in Denver to assail the Democrats. This is also something that didn't happen a lot in the past. You know, the Republicans typically would stay away, but you'll have Democrats in St. Paul next week. And, you know, this is sort of the, uh, the, new, the new plateau of, uh, the, you know, the level that, that they're operating at it's sort of a, a relentless politicking it just doesn't stop it's interesting you can look back and you can almost see the gradual evolution that brought us to this point because obviously ron ziegler who was the press secretary for richard nixon became notorious for exerting i think a then unprecedented level of control over the press and then through reagan it escalated and then of course during the 92 campaign the clintons had the war room which is their sort of rapid response team and this is now the logical end point of all of that where it just as you said it never stops and everybody is in the other player's face constantly trying to block the shot you know there's another great point and we not only see this in the presidential races but this sort of um you know this extrapolation this sort of growth in control of the message you know at least the effort we see it at the white house and it has increased with each administration from reagan to bush to clinton to this bush these efforts to sort of control the message make sure that your word goes out that you are in command of what's going on to make uh, the president put him in the best light as possible uh... just before we go here you raise an interesting point uh... when you said that uh, when you were talking about um, you know mccain being the underdog and at this point i don't even know really what poll you guys, you guys have that sort of poll of polls you sort of do, where it's a, yeah. sort of a, a mean average of everything. But, I mean, is that true? Is McCain down by any substantial number? The, the polls indicate that this poll of polls indicates it's a dead heat going into the Democratic convention. By being the underdog, Rick, you know, you may or may not agree with this, but uh, and I'm not an analyst, but just looking, trying to look at the big picture and just trying to be intelligent about it, not since Watergate have Democrats in Congress and Democrats running for the White House had a better chance to win all the marbles than they have this year. I just think it is the Democrats to lose, both at the presidential level and in Congress. I, I will say this, and this is uh, merely uh, a slice of personal philosophy being put forward by myself, and I do not ask anybody uh, necessarily to agree with this. I will say that Democrats do seem to almost have a fetishistic love of losing, though. So it, it, they, 
Really. I mean, Democrats almost seem to be, they, they don't ever seem to be happier than when we're taking an insurmountable lead and blowing it. So, uh, yes. we'll see. Yeah. You know, they, right. they, they do sometimes seem to find a way. And, and it's interesting you'd, you'd say that because when you look at how it is in a dead heat, it's amazing to some analysts that it is. How is it in a dead heat? Well, when you come back uh, following this primary, when you look back rather on this primary, well, Obama and, and Hillary Clinton did such a good job of beating up on each other, which is kind of also a democratic way of doing things. Oh, yeah. they, they do emerge, and it does make it tougher. Well, you know, they, they, the Democrats don't seem to have any uh, sort of equivalent to Ronald Reagan's 11th commandment, right. not speaking ill of another Republican. Right, exactly. All right, my friend, always a pleasure. We my will pleasure, very soon. Thank you. All right, let's take a break. We'll be back after this. Uh, CNN Radio correspondent Dick Iuliano. I dig that guy. We'll be back. <coughs> Jesus. Man, it's like I, I'm on, like, uh, dust and phlegm patrol over here. Yeah, everything okay over there? Yeah, I got a whole, like, got a whole, like, hacking thing going on. Uh, uh, back after this, Tim Riley, have ye news for us? Tons of it. All right, wonderful. Back after this with Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Later on, Steve Kastenbaum, top five rock songs about a book. Nina Parker from TMZ, Sarah Dillon, and the first entrance in uh, the birth of a salesman contest. Stay there. Back after this. Uh, 503 It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, coming up here in just a, a few moments, we'll have Tim Riley at the Ministry of Proof for the noon news hour. Uh, coming up later on, Cena Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum from Denver, Colorado, where the uh, convention is in full swing. Later on, the top five rock songs written about a book. Nina Parker from TMZ.com. We'll talk to the first lucky applicant entrant. Whatever. Interviewee in the AM 970 Birth of a Salesman contest. It could be you. Uh, what else? Well, other things. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, at the Ministry of Truth, this is your personal savior. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. See how the helicopters last night? A lot of people are buzzing about all the helicopters. Apparently, they're jumping from skyscraper to skyscraper downtown and even flying on the east side just because of panic. Portland uh, Police Bureau said the helicopters are part of a training mission with the Department of Defense. But don't worry about it. That's all the details you're giving us. The government is here to help you. Mm -hmm. The public is in no danger at any time. No. Uh, These pleasantries are brought to you by... Lace Auto Collision Center. Find us in collision repair. Go to lace.com and find out what Lace can do for you. By the way, we've got this email that says, uh, Rick, about the Jackson 5. They are Tito, Jackie, uh, Randy, Marlon, Jermaine, Michael. Well, that's six. That doesn't make any sense. There, there might be... have been a spare. <laughs> a surplus Jackson. We're now with 20% more Jacksons. Oh, by the way, if you want to find out more about Tito Jackson... Uh, perhaps unsurprisingly, you can, in fact, go to TitoJackson.com. I will not be doing that, but if you'd like to, that's on you. Here's Tim Bradley. So, the latest news about Rose 2 is they finally unleashed her, but she has to promise not to kill the baby. So, so far, she hasn't. The mother of the newborn baby elephant is no longer tethered and is now together with the baby nursing it. Mm-hmm. It's an exciting development. Nursing it back to health. Mm-hmm. 
she initially dis- uh, displayed aggression toward the newborn elephant. So now that they got that straightened out, apparently they had to kill a polar bear due to kidney failure. His name was Yug Yan. He was 22 years old and there wasn't much they could do. The zoo staff has been busy since baby elephant's birth, working to ensure the baby's survival since the mother is, uh, well, she's pretty much set on killing it. Is this what they're calling it now? The mother initially displayed some aggression toward the baby? Yes. The last time we checked, the mother was, in fact, trying to stomp it to death. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a little bit more than display. Yeah, displaying aggression is when you're on, uh, you know, that's when you're on your way home and you give a guy the finger at the, uh, at the driver's side window. It sounds like a bit Maybe more than Maybe if the that. elephant had just smacked it around a little bit, that'd be aggression. Tough love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Rose 2 appears to be uh, calming down significantly since they're kicking the newborn, so eventually they will be friends. The new dollar coins are pouring into Portland. The Rose City has been chosen as one of four U.S. cities to promote the new dollar coin. Tim, I got three of them last night at the fair. I saw one, yeah. I was given three dollar coins last night. Right here, I hold them in my hand. Now, who's on them? Uh, let's see. Coin number one, John Adams. Coin number two. Oh, I think this is Sacagawea, so this is one of the old... Dollar coins, right? Yes. This isn't. This is not. We had that whole discussion about Sacagawea and syphilis and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three, George Washington, and they're kind of weird because they're not. I guess this is for blind folks so they can tell them apart from quarters. They're smooth around the edges. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't have the little uh, serrations or whatever. Also, it should be noted that George Washington looks more like a zombie than ever before on these. I don't mean zombie like he's kind of a little bit out of it. I mean like a mm, brains zombie. George Washington looks flat-out scary in most of the depictions they have here. And on the back is the Statue of Liberty. But I did that thing last night. Mm-hmm. So uh, we were at the, uh, the, the Oregon State Fair. With 9,000 things to see and do, you can't miss it or whatever. But So we go there. We have a little time to kill before Weird Al. And my wife claimed that she was, uh, quote, a whiz at that, whatever that game is where you roll a ball and then a horse runs across the thing. And, like, if you're the winning horse, you, like, win some crap. Uh, so, so we said, and she did, in fact, she beat a five-year-old. She did. Who then cried. <laughs> oh, oh, no. So we were obliged, we were obliged to give the five-year-old her winnings. Because, you know, because she's very competitive, and so she's winning, and it's just like, hoo-hoo, I rule! You know, and then the child begins to blubber. So we had to give the, the ba- you know, the kid the, 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 whatever it is she won. Uh, but, you know, so I, I hand over however money, it's like two bucks or something to play. And then... The guy gives me back these gold coins, and I did that rube thing of like, these aren't, I want real money. These aren't real. And then I realized they were, in fact, gold coins. Uh, you know, the gold dollar, you know, the good dollar coins or whatever. So, um, and speaking of which, I don't really know. I mean, they're obviously not made of real gold, but, I mean, they are gold-colored. I wonder how they do that. I wonder if it's like a shiny copper or something. So, uh, apparently, according to the U.S. Mint director, if you spend the $1 coin, you make a difference for our country. How? He doesn't specify. No further details were given. Apparently, it saves the nation money. Mm-hmm. Well, you would think minting coins would be more expensive than printing out ah. paper money. No, so sure. you would think that, but you'd be wrong. Because, really? Because, well, because the deal is you mint a coin that lasts like 20 years. Okay. Uh, the average lifespan of paper money is, I think, I've read somewhere it's like no more than nine months. Because it gets handed, it gets paper, it gets worn away, and it, you know, mm-hmm. the, then you're then you're that guy in the kitchen trying to put something into the vending machine, and it's all just like sad and crumpled, and like the thing won't take it. That's why there have been the occasional, there's been the occasional rabble rouser who wants us to get rid of the dollar bill and go to the dollar coin because it would actually save us a lot of money, just like getting rid of the penny. Can you use the dollar coin on the uh, the snack machine in there? You know, that's a good question, Tim. I've been meaning to uh, I've been meaning to test that. So maybe later today I'll buy a crisp, refreshing Viso now that I'm allowed to have uh, beverages again. So. Oh, by the way. Somebody left some cotton candy, maybe from the Oregon State Fair, on the kitchen table. Well, it's probably gone by now. 
Cotton candy? Cotton candy. I wouldn't trust cotton candy if it was just sitting around a radio station. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it could have been picked up off the floor of Jiffy Lube or something and thrown back in the back. I mean, why why would cotton candy even appear in this building? Why would it even be here in the first place? We don't know. It's a mystery. All right. At the fair last night, uh, we did not buy cotton candy because I'm not really uh, I'm not really a fan. But I will say, you know what I bought last night at the fair? Uh, we were going to get a corn dog, but then we decided against it. I did, in fact, get a caramel apple, which was it was glorious. It was, it was just it was all. So there was this great moment. Uh, we we're walking around, and I think Laura had like a licorice rope, and I had a, I had a caramel apple, and we were underneath the Ferris wheel, and it was all that is good about this nation of ours. It really was. And literally, we had that great uh, we had that great Edwood moment where we were walking by a guy who was doing like the strong man hit the thing with the hammer, and then. We went into the haunted house, like the spook house ride or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, where you get in the little thing and it like takes you through and there's like a bad rubber dummy that jumps out from the uh, from the corner and goes like boogity boogity and then you're done. It really was, uh, it was great. So, an all-American experience at the fair last night. That does sound like fun. Time for a snuff watch. Here's your snuff watch for a Tuesday on the radio. Yeah. So this is a two for Tuesday. Uh, we have a national one and a local one. First, a national one. Dave Freeman, the co-author of 100 Things to Do Before You Die, has died. He's uh, 47. Uh, he fell from his Venice home, which is really weird. Uh, an advertising executive, uh, Freeman, did I tell you his name? Dave Freeman, uh, co-wrote the 1999 book subtitled Travel Events You Just Can't Miss. His uh, life was a short journey. Apparently, especially the journey from the roof to the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, he graduated from the University of Southern California in 1983, briefly working for an ad agency in Newport Beach before he moved to New York to work for Gray Advertising. Wow, that's a big agency. On 9-11, he watched the second plane hit the World Trade Center from his apartment just blocks away. He moved to SoCal to be closer to his family, and uh, he hit his head in a fall. So, like, in his house or from yeah, the top of his house? Apparently so. He hit his head in a fall at his home. Yeah, so that kind of that's freaky because that's one of those things where you realize you're just walking around at any given moment, just the one bad slip away from death. Isn't that right, Kristen? Ah, uh, yes, it's, that's right. very true. This is why you should never live in California because that's the kind of thing that goes on there. It's a, it's a bad place full of evil and suffering, Tim. Uh, so he wrote a hundred things to do before you die. Yeah. Seems like there's so many jokes there ought to be making, but I just I don't have the effort. All right. All right. Part two. It's a local one. Hello, sports fans. Former Blazer Kevin Duckworth has died while on the Oregon coast. The Washington County Sheriff's Office has confirmed that former Portland Trailblazer Kevin Duckworth passed away along the Oregon coast with several other former team members. He's 44. No cause of death has been released. He was uh, seven feet tall, was a central figure in the Trailblazers home for the championship in 1990 and 92. However, the team uh, came up short both years. He was later traded after the 1992-93 season and then retired from the league in 1997. He was a heritage ambassador for the Portland Trailblazers and lived in Tigard. He was one of just a few players in the 1990s era that remained in the area. So, uh, Is there a cause of death? No, they don't know. Mm. All right. Sue's so a, a trailblazer. I have nothing to say really about that because what the hell do I know? I do have something, however, to say about this. So on the way to, um, on the way to Salem, which is just a long-ass drive. Don't get me wrong. The State Fair was great. And we strongly encourage that you go and support your state and your whatever. But, I mean, is there a reason? I know it's the state capitol. But is there really a reason that the state fair has to happen at the state capitol? That just seems like something they're doing 
Just oh, out of it's a tremendous tra- waste of gas. Tradition. I'm just saying, doesn't it seem more likely to you that country folk would come to the city uh, as opposed to city folk going to the country? Uh-huh. You know what but I mean? That's okay. Keep them in Salem. I'm just saying that Rubes will get in their car and drive here. Uh, look how many people went to that Louis Palau thing down at the waterfront. I try to ignore that. Oh, no. Everybody. I. So do I. Tim. So did he walk on water or what happened? I don't know. Uh, we should have we should have gone down there and demanded that he walk on water. All I know is I saw a big thing saying tonight Christian rock band, and I was you know any idea. I mean, Laura and I sort of entertained the notion of going down and just watching, like you know, just for a goof. Oh, you are so glad you didn't. Uh, but I drove through that area at one point because I was at the radio station, and then I had to circle back down NATO because I for, sort of forgot it was happening. And that's when you always get in the middle of those things, right? Like you forget it's taking place. Well, maybe I'll take a right onto NATO Park. I don't mean. <laughs> I I guess what I'm saying is. That came out Go wrong. Go online Maybe and grab listen. No, guess, what did he really say? I guess, well, I, I, what I said is, I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is, the, in my assessment, the type of person who goes uh, to that Louis Palau thing is not like... The type of person who goes to any gathering of that type where really most of the concessions seem to be ill-made T-shirts and, like, glowy things that you wrap around your neck. The eyeballs move in separate directions. That's what I'm saying. It's a whole lot of people who are just sort of cramming themselves into bad Disney clothing, and they're just sort of rolling their whole family down there. And, you know, and then it's like them and, like, they're 50 kids, and they're sort of, you know, whatever. So it was horrible. Here's the thing. Christian, atheist, Gentile, Jew, gay, straight, black, white, male, female. People at a gathering such as that are people I wish to avoid. Your mileage may vary. These are just my two cents uh, as a pundit and uh, provocateur. But so I do that thing. If I take a right turn and I get on the NATO Parkway and I'm like, oh, ah, crap, and I'm surrounded by God people. And then, you know, and of course, I don't know whether it's just a faith in, like, the Almighty that he's going to resurrect you or perhaps keep you from harm. Learn how to read the crosswalk signals, would you please, you Louis Palau people. Know what it is, man? Isn't that big red hand there for a reason? It's to not walk across the street. I mean, I don't know if that's a thing of, like, you're trying to expedite your closeness to Jesus or something. But I'm taking it. I got the right of way. I'm driving down there, and then suddenly it's, you know... I don't know, it's like Cletus and family sort of walking across the sidewalk. And meanwhile, there I am behind the wheel. And I don't know what it is about that particular gathering that happened this last weekend. Uh, because it's, is that how he pronounces it? Is it Louis Palau? Is that the guy? Yeah, Louis, the city Louis. fest. Yeah. Uh, but it's a city fest, but it's like a God thing, right? It's God fest. Uh, God well, well, they were promising that God might be there. Special <laughs> special guest, God. Comment on so everyone's uh, watching the Willamette to see if <laughs> if he came down on the barge or something. Second coming of Christ, not guaranteed. Uh, the uh, so, but I don't know. I don't know what it is. There's something particular about that crowd where they have this either un, this inability or this unwillingness to obey posted street signs and regulations and traffic laws, and they're just streaming across the street like so many very, very, very sort of I don't know, just sort of swaddled in like. In like bad Tweety shirts, just sort of streaming across the street like so many ants. And you're trying to. In my case, I was trying to walk along the waterfront, and they just stopped in a block in front of me with their mouths hanging over. Seriously, open a little bit of drool, you know. Mouths agape, wallets <sighs> empty. Uh, the you know the, the bellies full of future children, no doubt. And and this whole thing of. I, this, my wife made this observation, which is that. And again, maybe we're only judging the many by the few. These are just the people that we encountered in the crosswalks 
while trying to go down NATO Parkway during the uh, the City Fest, the God thing, for a gathering that is presumably about Jesus or God or love or a thing, something that... You talk about a group of people that can just bring out the anger and hate in people behind the wheel who are just trying to get somewhere in their cars. Uh, and you start using the horn as oh like man. a weapon. Oh, look, Brian Jones is bringing us cotton candy. Hi, Brian. Hi, guys. None for me, thank you. This is great. I think I'm going to have a little bit more. Brian Jones, director mm. of engineering. Need anything fixed? Everything uh, working. Everything's fine. Um, everything's fine, except maybe <laughs> the engineering staff. I uh, No, I can't eat on the air, but thank you so much. Kristen? Oh, I'm fine. Tim? I'm fine. More than fine. Yes. We're going to walk the path of health You today. can eat my right. share. <laughs> All of our share. I already have. All right. Then <laughs> we're all set. Out that bag. This is from the Rose Garden. Oh, I see. So it's uh, so it's not like a thing that just some like a weekend DJ left on the table. Well, it may have been. I was going to say, you want to sterilize that before you touch it. You want to, uh, you know, one of those weekends. Well, I was going after the Rose Garden. Hey. Seriously, something they get. Well, I'm just saying, you know what I mean. Is, is some no offense. You know, there's some, you know, there's something that some, uh, some like, uh, you know, some like uh, grubby street teamer Where came in. Come? I don't know, to leave it on the table. Sugar? No, is that made locally? Where, where is cotton candy made? It's made in China. Really? Oh. Why is there really a need to make cotton candy in China? I thought it was really easy to make. Then like a one-step thing, like no, wait, it says in sugar, blend. Manufactured yeah. at location where sold. Oh, I see. So the bag is probably in, from okay. China, though. Oh, okay. All right. So just don't eat the bag. It's probably filled with lead. And sawdust. So, so there's a cotton candy kitchen at the uh, Rose Garden. All right. So there you go. All right. Excellent. Brian Jones, ladies and well, gentlemen, director of engineering. There. I heard they're going to take the Blazers out of there and move them back to Seattle. That's the rumor, Tim. That's uh, what everyone in Seattle was telling me over the weekend. Well, you know, but somebody uh, – now, wait a minute, because the Sonics are going to Oklahoma, yes? Yes. And so then the theory is that the Blazers would move the – I say as though I care about any of this. The Blazers, they moved to Seattle? Yes. All right. Because that's where Paul Allen lives. Yes. Yes, yes, it is. All right. I got nothing. All right. In any, in any event, blah, 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 waterfront, blah, blah, blah. I don't remember how this started. Uh, here's Tim Riley. Uh, so this is the third one. Uh, hip-hop producer Dr. Dre is mourning the sudden loss of one of his sons. The L.A. County Coroner says 20-year-old Andrew Young Jr. was found, quote, unresponsive. At the home in uh, Woodland Hill. Well, first of all, Jesus, how old is Dr. Dre, and therefore how old am I that he has a 20-year-old kid? Yeah. That makes me feel old. Dr. Dre had a 20-year-old son? Uh-huh. I'm so old. Caroline uh, Kennedy has a 20-year-old daughter named Rose. How old is Caroline Kennedy? She is 50, will be 51 November 29th. And wait, was that JFK Jr.'s sister? Yes. Okay, all right. She, she's older than him. You know, I can't keep any of the Kennedys straight. Like one big... It's like one big raft of just uh, good teeth and alcohol poisoning. All right. Uh, well, that sucks about Dre's kid. That's yeah. no good. And there's just no cause given? Just a sudden death? Yeah. That's weird. All right. Uh, well, all right. Yeah, well, there you go. It's a local one here. Uh, uh, Huffing. Let's see. A police believe Huffing is to blame for a deadly crash in Jefferson. Rebecca Joanne Chrisman died after a car crash into a power pole. She was a passenger in the car. Three other people were in the car, all transported to a hospital. Phelan Ray Williams was arrested in charge with third-degree manslaughter. They believe Phelan deliberately inhaled His gas. name is Phelan? I'm not sure if this is a man or what. Phelan Ray Williams. And he I was... I saw that it was or a she. lady. Let's maybe, back up. So it was a lady. Phelan, this allegedly Phelan Ray Williams. F-A-L-O-N-R-A-E Williams. Phelan Ray Williams was allegedly the one huffing? Yes, inhaling gas vapors from a carbon dioxide cylinder before the crash. And then she crashed. Was she was killed? No, no, the passenger was killed. She's fine. 
Of She'll lift a huff again. Of course. That's that's the way it always works, right? Yeah, the passenger. The passenger or, you know, occasionally somebody in the oncoming lane. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's see, I think there's one more. She aptly named her what? Uh, uh, Newburgh High School principal said a 15-year-old boy has died after he was buried in the sand cave. The family thought he was still on life support. Uh, Zach Lindley was playing with his siblings exploring sand caves in the Dash Point State Park near Federal Way when a cave collapsed. Uh, let's see, school counselors are available this week. All right. Uh, let's see here. Oh, but what was my point? Oh, anyway, so the Louis, Louis, Palau, whatever it is. And I see those bumper stickers everywhere. Uh, and it's always on a minivan that's going 10 miles underneath the speed limit and blocking uh, my way on the road. But I know that, but I walked, uh, you know, I was sort of walking around, and then there was that the, the Christian rock show tonight with, like, the the omnipresent Kirk Franklin, who seems to be at all of these events. So, man, i got to get me a piece of that action. I mean, that really is where the money is. Uh, this goes back to my thing about I, how I, I was talking to Laura about this last night because we were walking along in the State Fair, about which I'll be talking a lot today, because is it still going on or is it over? I don't know. I never. Do we know if the state? I think it goes. I think the state fair at least goes for another week. I think it goes another week. You really ought to check it out. Uh, it really is just a, uh, not to sound all corny and just you know Johnny Appleseed or whatever about it, but I mean it really is just a quintessentially American thing. When is the last time anybody here went to a state fair or similar event? Tim Riley. Uh, the Anvil County Fair. I used to broadcast live from. Really. The mud every that one year that I worked down there. Excellent. It rained for the entire fair. I got to see a llamas and uh, anteaters and whatever else they had. We were afraid it was going to rain last night, but it ended up being up. Hey, do you know on the way to uh, Wilsonville, there's a big sign by the side of the road that just says, llamas, llamas, llamas? No. In oh, really? Big exclamation marks. Well, people do raise them as pets. I, we were wondering if there's a llama farm. If, you're, if you go to Fry's, if you're headed towards Wilsonville, you'll see a big sign like at exit 286 or something. It's llamas, llamas, llamas. There, there's a llama farmer, uh, farm right around the corner. <laughs> from the... <laughs> a llama farm right around the corner from my house. You know there really is a, there really is some joke to be made, and I'm only working back from the punchline. I, I listened to, to too much of Ted Kennedy last night in Caroline Kennedy. I'm working backward from the from the from the climax of the joke. I don't have the setup, and the, the punchline would just be "Is llama bad?" Mm-hmm. Everybody else just create the opening to the joke yourself. Anyway, llamas, llamas, llamas. That's on the way to Wilsonville. Kristen oh. Bowie, when's the last time you were at a fair or similar event? About two years ago, I went to the Oregon State. Park. As a spectator or to work? A spectator. Yeah. It was pretty great. I mean, uh, you're there and you park in the big field and you walk in and then it's like the midway and the guy where you knock the thing, you knock the like the milk cans over or whatever, the milk bottles over with the baseball and uh, definitely an old school nostalgic thing. It was pretty great, man. And nothing smells or sounds like a fair. It's like that smells like a combination of like like um, you know, like a hay, you know, grass uh, yeah. uh, and and like fried food and like like grease from the uh, you know from the from the the rides they've got going on. I mean, it, it really is pretty great. And then grease from the rides. Have you know what I mean? Like whatever you know, like that mechanical yeah. smell oh, of yeah. like mm-hmm. not like a three in one oil, but you know that mechanical smell when there's like a like a um, like an engine or or something that has been sort of lubricated, like a uh, you know like the Ferris wheel or whatever. There's that kind of garage smell of like oil that and comes from somewhere like right. the hypnotist. And I don't like think that. I didn't see a hypnotist and I didn't see the guy who guesses your weight. Um, but you know what I did see? I wrote this down. They had a thing. We didn't get a chance to see what it was, but they had a thing that was labeled, and it's great in like a hundred ways. A thing that was just labeled Ye Old Time Emporium. Now, this is ye, and then old is, of course, with an e, mm-hmm. and then time is T-Y-M-E, and I don't even think that's accurate, not even historically. No. I mean, time T-Y-M-E is just wrong. I don't think that was ever a word. Well, people don't know the difference. They I don't. I think it's a combination of, like, time, like, the actual 
spice and then... But that's stupid, yeah. unless it's an actual spice emporium, which I guess it could have been. Ye old time emporium. We I almost wanted to go by and see what it was, but it was closed by the time we got out of Weird Al. Uh, so that was pretty great. But so we were walking by, I don't know, a thing where like you throw a ball and it lands in a, in a, in a place and they give you a, they give you a prize. And I was saying that you know, really in some parallel universe, I think I would have made a pretty good carnival barker. Uh, maybe the guy who does, in fact, do the weight guessing. Um, but uh, but then I was noting sort of a, a, a revisitation of something that I had said a few weeks ago, which is I wish that I could just take two weeks off some summer and go be a revival tent preacher. Uh, I mean, I really, if I could, ta- I'd take two weeks, and I don't ever take vacation. I'd take two weeks off vacation. I would take two weeks off from the show if I could go uh, preach the word of Jesus in a tent somewhere, like in Rust Bucket, what Kansas. What if you started, like, gathering up support, like a cult or something? If you give me $5, I'll be the guy in crutches who throws them away and starts <laughs> ranting on stage. You bet. That'd be awesome. <laughs> done and done, Tim Riley. I know a cult leader. Uh, I didn't say cult. I said uh, I said revival tent uh, evangelistic uh, organization. You said cult. Well, I didn't that's say. an entry level position. Yeah, I uh, you I'm just yourself up to the bigger crowds. Yeah, but you get one of those things where the, 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 you get like the big ass Jonas Nightingale tent, and there's uh, the guy in stage and the sparkly jacket. And it's he does the faith healing and the uh, the whatever. And I would completely do that Start for selling two weeks. elixir. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if I, if I could just be, just because I think I'd be good at it, and because I do believe. And then we'll get back to the news because it's uh, derailed the whole thing, uh, as is my want. Uh, but um, I do believe that is one of those, if life is a choose-your-own-adventure novel, that is a choice not taken. It's early on in my life, it's like to be, you know, musician, uh, radio DJ, or, uh, you know, a tent a revival clergyman. And I really feel like that is a thing at which I could have excelled. I mean, it's just, uh, just call it a hunch. So someday I want to do that. That's one of those, if I do a list of things for you before I die, that's going to be on the list. Be an evangelist. All right, here's Tim Riley. That does sound fun. Oh, that was your snuff watch, by oh, the way. that was, yeah. There's your snuff watch that, for that Tuesday on the uh, Rick Emerson radio program. Here's Tim Riley. A 22-year-old Maryland beauty pageant winner whose platform was to speak out against bullying has been charged with assault. Miss Washington County Christine Gano faces burglary charges for allegedly entering her ex-boyfriend's Frostburg home and punching another woman in the head. Uh, the other one was not seriously injured and was holding a package of frozen peas on her head when police arrived. <laughs> she did not require crappy. further attention. Uh-huh. Uh, the beauty queen who struck her allegedly has been released on her own personal recognizance. Miss Maryland officials said the Miss America organization has been notified about the alleged incident. Uh, there's no word on whether or not the charges will affect the beauty queen standing in the Miss uh, Washington County pageant. Of course. All right. Let's talk about those potholes on the east side, shall we? For years, there's been a road maintenance backlog, and you guessed it, most of it affects the southeast quadrant. Oh, yes, it does. Uh, so somebody's flying the worst parts of road damage, and they include Sandy Boulevard near Northeast 47th. Uh-huh. Stop me if any, these sound familiar. Division Street from 198th to 122nd. Well, the street numbers say it all, really. Southeast Holgate Boulevard between 39th and 57th. Mm-hmm. In the past three years, the cost of asphalt has jumped 113%. As a result, the city leaders estimated it would cost $400 million. That's a lie. Yeah. That is a lie. $400 million. Just to do those potholes? Yeah. But yet they have the money for the max rail. That doesn't make no sense at all. That is a fabrication. They are making that up. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the road damage may be good for business at a neighborhood tire shop on the east side. Some people say it's frustrating. 
We get a lot of cars in here where the wheels bent and the tires blown, says Virgil, who owns a tire store. It just seems to be an ongoing problem. Why would he complain? Well, you know, I'll think about this, uh, this the, the fact that they don't have the money to fix potholes. This is sort of a... It uh, $400 million. This is a reprise of something we were saying a couple weeks ago. I'll think about this the next time I read that they're paying cops to sit online and look for whores on Craigslist so they can bust consenting adults for engaging in sexual behavior. Are there some? Uh, well, no, we had that. Remember, there was that cop... Um, uh, there was a cop in Beaverton oh, yeah. who got nailed for soliciting, uh, although it seems a little bit sketchy about whether he actually was soliciting for sex, but he got nailed for, you know, for soliciting prostitution or whatever. Also, uh, you know, when the end of the year comes and they have to start paying cops to go around and enforce the smoking ban, uh, about which I continually, man, Laura and I got into another fight about that. I can already see that the rest of the year is just going to be just a series of arguments about the smoking ban, which doesn't make any sense because I don't even smoke. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. I'm not even going to talk about it. News for our suburb in the north, Washington State. The College Entrance Examination Board has announced Washington State SAT scores are the highest in the nation for the sixth straight year. Washington finished first. Behind, top placeholders, Connecticut, Massachusetts, and New Hampshire. Washington students also average 522 in critical reading, 531 in math, 505 in writing. Those scores are also higher than the national average of 497. These are based on the class of 2008 students who took the SATs before graduation. Did anyone here take the SAT? I did. No. You did? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't remember what my score was, though. Oh, that's right, because you had some college. And you yes. went to a preparatory school. That's correct, and that's why you go to a preparatory school. A school whose sole purpose is to prepare you for, the, for higher learning. And here I am, sitting with someone from Kennewick, Washington. Wow. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Okay. No, you shouldn't have taken it. Well, maybe it's time for a It was meant in jest. It, it goes to show just how bright you are. Mm-hmm. I guess he doesn't believe me. You're on your own with this one, Tim. No, no it just not. seemed it was the, You didn't even ponder that. It was like that just came out of your mouth naturally as though yeah. you've been waiting all your life to say it. Well, it no, I, I've been saving that line for the correct time. For seven years. Yeah. <laughs> Ever since Bruce Agler said, this is uh, this is Rick, you're going to have to work with him. I'm sorry, Tim. That was a thought that obviously has been percolating inside your brain for some time. No, well, it's been used in other, in other circumstances. So, no, I was just going to ask uh, what your SAT scores were. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I, well, I never took the SAT, uh, unsurprisingly. Uh, I, have, I have never... Well, you had no need for it. Because I'm from Kennewick and all. No, no. What with my tiny Kennewick brain? Well, that's your that's your version of your hometown. We don't have the big fancy testing in school and like yeah, like y'all do in uh, New England, Tim. Uh, I done uh, gone to the one uh, house schoolroom with the with the slate and the chalk and the inkwells. Uh, pigtails. I was just gonna say getting my getting my Gilbert Blythe on. All right. Well, let's just take a break, shall we? Have everyone gonna, share the same ice cream sandwich. Going to make an observation about the SAT, but I don't. Uh, no, I, I want to hear it. I don't know that my underpowered intellect is really worthy to make any observations about something which is. I've never said anything about your underpowered intellect. Clearly, just the, that you're from Kennewick. That's clearly, all. clearly, it's the province of moneyed New Englanders. So perhaps no, I sh- Kennewick is uh, rich in its own historic way. Maybe I'm going to read about Hanford next. Maybe I'll just stick to talking about dust and fish sticks. And pens. The only observation I was going to make, you pack of bastards, is 
Yeah. Uh, that I've never taken any standardized tests because I kind of knew, even though my my parents, I think, held on to the delusion for a few years that I was going to go to college. Like, they sort of lied to themselves. Oh, he'll go to, our boy will go to college. And I, I just knew that wasn't going to happen. But you did go to college. I did not. You did go to some uh, institute of higher education. Uh, I went to uh, I went to a broadcasting school. Well, that is uh, one. I went to a broadcasting school for one semester. Uh, and and you was, give me hell about going to Mount Hood. You know what? Uh, because after one semester, I was like, "F this! This is useless." Don't feel bad. I never. I only went for one year myself. Yeah, I went to I went to broadcasting school for a semester, and I said, "Well, this is uh, this is pointless." Uh, to be fair, um, no offense, because I know that you know broadcasting. Schooling's good. Uh, <laughs> learning does you good, Kristen. Uh, you know, and I will say that. You know, the Mount Hood Community College has produced many uh, fine alumni, alumnus, a word like that. It's, it's one of the better debts to have. Yeah. <coughs> Scotty J. <coughs> hey, so, I don't have any debt, so. All I was going to say is that it, the only reason, I mean, not the only reason, one of the big reasons I dropped out of broadcasting school after a semester is that I already had a radio gig. And and I, you know, not to be all about the glory of me, but I, I, too. I, I had something similar. And I started in radio pretty young. So a lot of the footwork and the basic sort of uh, framework I had already studied. And so, um, you know, I, and I was working, you know, not all the time, but I was working you know, some overnights. And then occasionally I would help fill in on a morning show in town. Uh, I would help fill in on this rock morning show. And, you know, and so, but then I, would, I would sit there and I would go to class and the teacher... You know, who I think meant only the best because it was just a whole class full of just uh, tool users and gum chewers. And she was like, this is a microphone, you know, and this is an on button. And meanwhile, I was in the back row because I've been up all night working at an actual commercial radio station, which is not to be like, a, like a look how great I am. It's just I already had sort of learned by doing. I had learned kinesthetically. And so I didn't really need to, And I felt like it was a waste of my time and money, which it might have been. Uh, I will say here's the one great thing about that one semester in broadcasting school. Is that they would occasionally give you these sort of assignments, and it was usually like a like a production assignment. Uh, back when we were using the Otari uh, reel-to-reel machines, and my broadcasting teacher would say, like, okay, now I need you to create a two-minute vignette in which you tell a story using only sound effects and no dialogue. This is to be done, you know, within two days or whatever. And you'd have to tell a two-minute story using only sound effects. And so everybody else at the school is, uh, I can, now it can be told, Everybody else at school is sitting there with like a razor blade and a china marker, like cutting tape and splicing all this crap together and having to use the school's like feeble sound effect collection. And meanwhile, even at that early stage, uh, I worked at a radio station that had kind of a rudimentary digital edit editing system and an eight track machine. Uh, not an eight track like at home, but like an eight track recording setup. Uh, and so I I would just go to work. I wouldn't do I wouldn't do any of it at school or at the classroom. They would all be using, like, this crusty-ass radio equipment from 1950. And meanwhile, I would just go to this radio station where I was working, and I would just go into the radio station production room, which had thousands of production CDs and, like, top-of-the-line equipment. And I would sit there, and I would just knock out some fantastic piece of production because I had great equipment, and then I would take it to school and just lie and say that I'd done it at school on their, like, shoddy-ass reel-to-reel, which just made me look like a genius, which I wasn't. Uh, but it just made me look like I was a prodigy. That I can't believe the quality you're able to wring out of this old ass radio equipment. And I would just, I would just sort of smile and go, oh, "Shucks, ma'am, it weren't nothing." See, I knew enough. About I had one of those. Exactly, yeah. I know exactly what you're pointing at. That's the Gates Yard board. Exactly, we had one of those in uh, Newburyport, Massachusetts. 
I knew enough about computers when I was going to school. We had to do something similar that um, instead of using the school's crappy, shoddy computer systems, yeah. I had actually set up my own home recording studio, and so I did everything at home. I recorded my own sound. I did for all you. that. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that for like a semester, and then I was just like, you know, this is this is just garbage. There's yeah. no reason for me to be here. So uh, and that was I, my way of bypassing the SATs. Yeah. See, and I, I just hate standardized. And you have to pay to take the SATs, yeah, don't you? It's, yeah. And it's so stupid. It's ridiculous. Uh, and you know, cause that whole thing, and I, and I don't want to start a whole rant about yeah. standardized testing, cause you know what? I'm like 35 and I'm not gonna have any kids, so I don't care. Uh, but then, you know, but there's a real standardized testing is, uh, you know, it's an unfair assessment, which it probably is, or it's culturally biased, which is probably also true, and it's expensive, and colleges put too much emphasis on it, and I'm the type of guy that doesn't, to use the old cliche, I don't test well. So. Yeah. I got my associate's degree, I was able to go to university. End of story. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, seriously, and I got to tell you, at the risk of making it sound like a little bit of sour grapes, possibly too late, uh, I will tell you that the valedictorian in my high school is one of the dumbest people I ever met in my they life. Usually are they really usually just are. just as thick as two short planks. I mean, really. By the time you're like 25, they've had like five kids already, and oh, they live man. on some military base in I mean, Oklahoma. And... Just a just a yeah, head so hollow it echoed. I mean, yeah. really, but she tested really well. Gave a really uninteresting, tedious uh, commencement speech or whatever the hell it was. It did the graduation speech. So I never bothered to take the SAT because I, you know, didn't really have the money and I wasn't going to spend the money if I wasn't going to use it. And I knew I wasn't. It's not like I was going to get into some four-year college anyway because I had a crap GPA. Maybe GPA was so low. I mean, I've told the story a billion times, but I almost didn't graduate. My GPA was in the cellar. Uh, so, I mean, there was just no. There's too much emphasis on that in public schooling anyway. I mean, it's. Oh, it was, uh, school was just waste, uh, yeah. waste for me. It was a waste of time. Um, but I feel the same way. So, but now I want to ask the actual score. But did you did you do well on your SATs, Tim? Yes, but I don't remember what the score was. Now, did they did when you took it? Did they break it into math and verbal? Mm-hmm. And uh, you probably better at verbal. Yeah. Are you are you good at math? No. All right. See, I didn't think so. That was going to be my guess because many people who work in the creative fields are are terrible at math, as is the case. With no, me. I ended up with a with a tutor every summer, and it was a nun. Really? Yeah. So but, I was never molested. <laughs> That's one to grow on. <laughs> you scored a zero in clergy molestation. Mm-hmm. Or, a, or a perfect 1,200. I mean, depending on how you look at it. Uh, Every yeah. summer it was ruined. Can I tell you that I've... Can I tell you that I've... Oh, because of the tutoring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the I can't wait to go run and jump and play. Sit in your room. Study times tables. Uh, you know, can I tell you, first of all, about times tables. We are just so unbelievably overtime that we're going to push this. We'll take both breaks, then we'll come back, do more news. We'll talk to this birth of a salesman guy. You know, here's a waste of uh, a waste of ink. It, when you were in school and you have that peachy folder and they would print all that crap on the inside of the folder that you somehow thought was going to help you cheat. How many acres in a hectare? The F, who can, the, I never used that. No one used it. I never had a peachy folder. Really? Oh, that well, because do they give you like a like a cashmere bound folder with a school crest on the front? <laughs> there was nodding, <laughs> nodding. Really? Here's something bound it in blue the, suede. The school colors are green and gold. Whatever. Did you have like a crest with a dragon, like holding up a sword or something? No. What was your crest? It, it was just some crest with a with a, a dollar with a dragon sign. with its tongue hanging out or whatever it was. Yeah. All right. It had nothing to do with school whatsoever. Just a huge embroidered pile of cash. Yeah. Uh. So um. I'm not bitter. Anyway. Uh. But you know what I've always wanted to do is to take the SAT test now as an adult, just to see how I would have done on it. I mean, I guess you can make the point that I'm 35, not 18, and maybe I know more now. But my math. 
skills haven't changed. In fact, they probably only degraded. I don't even want to see my math score. I mean, your brain probably slows down when you get older, so who knows? I mean, I might actually score lower now. But I, I, I can you do that? I wonder if you can take the SAT as an adult just for, like, a gag. I know you can take the pre-SATs online. Now, what is the pre-SAT? Where it's basically, like, sample questions that they take that students use to prepare for the SATs. Mm. All right. Well, I would be, you know, I'd be curious to know exactly how I'd sort of do on that. Uh, hey, Richie, should I be taking these calls before we break? We're so unbelievably over time here. But... I take at least one. Mm. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Well, hello there. Oh, hello. Well, uh, I just, I, see, it seems like the closer we get to school starting, you know, you guys keep, uh, keep bashing school and how school really doesn't do any good for anybody. Trying to be relatable, sir. Pardon me? Trying to be relatable, sir. Well... This I don't know how it's relatable because, uh, you know, uh, now I, I was of the same mind up until I was 36 and went back to, went back to college and found out that mm. there is actually something out there. Well, that's because yeah. you were in, that, but that's because you were in college, not in the public school system, sir. College you know, is college. Military education is something totally different. Yeah, I mean, look, even with my limited experience with higher education, it seems to me that college is a world apart from K through 8, which is largely there just to keep you from breaking windows and mugging people until you're 18. <laughs> well, the, the one thing that I did realize when I went to college was uh, the farther up the food chain you go, the dumber the people seem, you know, the people who are actually in charge of you. Well, I would just say that 90% of people, no matter where you go, are stupid and useless. That is, it doesn't matter. Work, college, school, church, office, doesn't matter. Yeah. 90% yeah. Well, of everything and everybody is dumb, sir. I think you're right. In that case, I guess we should just all join hands and walk into a rotor blade. Well, that took a dark turn. All right, thank you. Bye. I don't even know what. It's like first he was disagreeing with me, then he was agreeing with me, and then it was some sort of cult suicide at the end. Yeah, Jealousy to me. That's what I'm saying. You know what it is, Tim? That was uh, that was covetous envy mm-hmm. to what that was right there. Uh, let's do uh, two more, and then we'll take a break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, good day, Rick Emerson. Hello. Hi. Um, so my wife is a test administrator for the SAT program, mm-hmm. and they just changed this year that the um, all the students that are like 9th, 10th, and 11th grade will be mandatorily in the TSAT. That's the pre-SAT test? That is that. So there's an, I think there's an SAT administration coming up on, uh, I think it's October 4th or the following week. So, but you can take it, but not as a like a just for fun. You could take it as the real deal if you want. But I but I would have to pay for it then, right? You'd have to pay for it. How and, much is it? There is no um, eating, drinking, or smoking, or use of cell phones in the room. How uh, uh how a how much does it cost? Um, I don't know. I think it's like 105 dollars or something. A hundred dollars, really? I, I think it is, and you're there for a whole long time filling in those circles with a number two pencil. How long does it take? Really? Um, Well, the check-in time, you usually get to the school at like 7.30, and then the test starts by 8.15 or so whenever the room fills up, and then you're there till 12.30, 1 o'clock. So um, I've, you know, I've I've walked around the room and... You're scoring uh, low on the verbal right now, sir. It's what? Never mind. Uh, Let me ask you this question. Yes. Why do they charge for the SAT? That may sound dumb, but why do they charge for that if it's a thing you have to take? Well, you don't have to take it. But to get into college, you do. Well, maybe it's an expense of getting into college. Because mm. then you have to prove that you're... Yeah, this whole country is so effed. Really, our educational there. system is just effed beyond all it beyond is. all words. It, it really is. So I'm so glad I don't have kids. If you want to go to college, then you can't afford to get into the SAT. You know, it cost me 150 bucks just to apply to my 
University. Really? Yeah. Were you? Were, did you get in? Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. This. Uh, hey, 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 um, I sent you that uh, Sarah X Dillon video thing. Oh, I did. I saw that this morning. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Good time. All right. There you go. Um, yeah. This. I'm so glad I don't have kids. You know what I mean? Just sending them into this cavernous, gaping maw that is the educational system in this country. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I couldn't feel good about that. And here's the thing. The great thing about not having kids, no disrespect to anybody who does and blah, 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 and, you know, caveat emptor, et cetera. Uh, the great thing about not having kids, and I think I speak for all of us here, is I don't have to, like, spend time or, or like, uh, conscience points lying to them about things. You know what I mean? You know, the people who have kids, and, you know, we all know parents who do this, they have kids, and, you like, you're around them, like, you'll be with, like, if you have friends that have kids, you'll be over at their house, and, like, the kids are around, too, and you witness your adult friends lying to their children, and you know the parent is lying, and the parent knows that you know they are lying, well, you know? Mom and dad are not swingers. Exactly. <laughs> it's an ear cleaner is what that is, uh, honey. Put it back in the drawer. Um, yeah, is it that or, you know, uh, no, no, no. If you, uh, if you smoke pot, your whole life will be ruined. Mommy never smoked pot. And, like, you're sitting there going, well, that's, there's a huge, there's a huge bong in your living room, you know, or whatever. I that's mean, the there thing. was one last night during the uh, Barack Obama biography. He was talking about uh, romancing his future wife and that he invited her several times for ice cream and she turned him down. Really? That sounds like a little bit of uh... So the only memorable part about that is his wife likes ice cream, but we don't know which flavor and how much. <laughs> how so, many times he had to ask before she gave in. Asked her for ice cream. All right. Uh, we should take a break here, for the love of God. Uh, we'll come back after this. More from Tim Riley. Uh, have ye more news for us? I have piles of it. We haven't done any. I know you knew. I know you knew because I interrupted like 10 minutes into the news hour and we never got back on track. I think I'm... we did two stories in the entire hour. I'm sorry, Tim. I, I wanted to skip ahead to the part where you belittled me in my hometown and my education. No, I love your hometown. I can't wait to go. Whatever. Turn the studio into a den of lies. Uh, back after this, Tim Riley, uh, birth of a salesman and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, I'm going to give a big thanks to our man Chris, uh, alias Boba Fett. Uh, he just stopped by the uh, studio during the break. So uh, so last night at the Weird Al show, uh, he was singing The Saga Begins, which is his sort of Star Wars take on American Pie. And there was this whole contingent of stormtroopers, uh, as well as Darth Vader and a guy dressed as Boba Fett that came out and they did this kind of synchronized sort of dance routine behind Al as he's singing the song. And so Lauren and I go, well, I wonder if that's Chris Boba Fett. You know, everybody, if you're listening to the show, you've, you've probably met him or seen him. or you, He's all over the web pages. You know, he's uh, part of the uh, Rick Emerson extended family, so you probably have run into him. Uh, and we were like, well, I wonder if that's him. Well, he just shows up during the break, and it was, in fact, him. And he actually was kind enough to get an AM970 shirt autographed by Weird Al for us. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, and uh, during the All About the Pentiums, uh, Al does this great thing of dropping these like hundred dollar bills with his face on them, uh, so he snagged me a couple of those as well. So that's oh, awesome. That was, uh, so that's really cool, actually, that he uh, he got to go up and be on stage uh, with uh, with Weird Al for part of that. So I guess they're going to put uh, video and photos and whatever up on the on the uh, the intertron for that. So uh, you're listening to KCMD Portland, uh, Richie. In just a couple minutes, we'll uh, we'll get a hold of. Uh, the first interviewee in the Birth of a Salesman uh, contest, uh, later on, uh, top five and so forth. This is Tim Riley. Well, there's a new historic monument, and it's in Richland, Washington. The world's first full-scale nuclear reactor is now a National Historic Landmark. It's kind of like Mount Rushmore, the Washington Monument. This is the B-Reactor, 
at the Hanford Nuclear Reservation in south-central Washington, which produced plutonium for the first man-made nuclear blast, as well as the second bomb drop on Japan in World War II. Local officials have been seeking the landmark designation for years, hoping to save the reactor from being permanently cocooned as part of the cleanup. Now they don't have to clean up after all. Just bring the kids, and it'll be a great family picnic. It's like our own, it's like a, the, the, the Northwest's own Chernobyl. Uh, it is really, uh, it is really interesting to note, by the way, it's uh, right there. It is really uh, interesting to note, by the way, that, that rather that they just, you know, they've been trying to clean up that Hanford nuclear facility for like 15 years, and they keep taking nuclear waste and putting it in these leaky barrels, which they put into the ground, and then the radioactivity leaches out into the groundwater, and then it gives people like kids with three heads. So rather than just, I mean, it seems like they've just sort of surrendered to the inevitable and realize they're never going to be able to clean it up. So rather than trying to make it all go away, they're just going to change the sign out front from like condemned nuclear site to tourist attraction. So I guess if you can't clean, you know, clean something, just charge people money to see it. That sounds terrific. What else do we have here? Uh, from Washington, Vancouver, a Vancouver man's beloved truck has been stolen and ripped apart by thieves. Kevin Napier said he discovered his Toyota pickup truck missing from its parking spot. Everything just fell off the wall. Uh... Oh, just a couple oh, I think things. our Barack Obama shirt just fell off the wall. Oh, my gosh. It's uh, sad about the new shirt. Uh, all right. What? The Barack Obama shirt. Oh, it's sad about the weird... It's jealous of the weird outfit. Yes. I'm sorry. I'll so, anyway, this uh, fellow from Vancouver custom-built his truck. It was found in Southeast, of course, <laughs> and it's missing $7,000 worth of equipment. Of course. So, that is... Uh, so, why don't we get to this... Uh, let's see here. We have a phone call coming up. Is that... I'm trying to figure out what uh, This is, uh, as Richie's putting it, sales dude number one. All right. Well, let's do that. All right, Tim, would you like to stay for this? Of course. All right. That's right. Uh, because we can use your uh, valuable insight and expertise when interviewing a person who may be the next uh, great American salesperson. Let's see. Uh, I was going to get some music together for this, but I, uh, I, don't, uh, I don't think I actually assembled a sales bet. I meant to get the score from, uh, from Glengarry Glen Ross. Well, I guess we can just use our, uh, I guess we can just use the Dexter bed, which is sort of our go-to bed for this sort of thing. Hold on a second. All right. Uh, so you may have heard these promos running for the uh, AM970 Birth of a Salesman contest. And what we're doing is we are looking for the next great American salesperson. We had people submit their entries, 100 words or less, why they wish to be uh, the next AM970 account executive or sales representative. And we are going to uh, be talking to ten of them on the phone, sort of semi-finalists. semi We'll have five of them then come into the studio. And then uh, three of them uh, will get a little 15-minute sit-down with Michael Fashana, who is the general sales manager here at AM970. And perhaps one of them will become the next AM970 sales representative, a position that promises both esteem, respect from your coworkers, friends, family, loved ones, and uh, cash aplenty. So, uh, cash not guaranteed. So, uh, complete rules, blah, 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 all that at 970.am, which I think I still have to say. So, I will read this entry, and then we'll be joined here by Todd. So, Todd will join us on the phone in just a moment. Todd's entry says, I have a strong background in sales. I have been listening to Rick Emerson and Tom Likas for a number of years, so I know the target demographic well. I am the target demographic, he says. Uh, I am highly educated, 30 years old. Uh, I, I look great in a suit. At the moment, I am a financial advisor, but the market is not a good place to be right now. I think we can all concur with that. Uh, if I could attach a resume, I would, but there's no space, so hopefully this will suffice. Da 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 da. da. Uh, and his name is Todd. So let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show, uh, Todd. Hello, sir. How you doing, sir? How are you, my friend? How's your day? Doing well. How about yourself? Uh, I am. Uh, I'm fantastic. All right. Let me ask you this. So you, you are a financial advisor right now? 
I am. What does that mean? I mean, I know it means you advise people on their finances, but I mean, what is it? you don't have to tell me the, the company or anything, but what, what kind of work uh, do you do? Uh, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, that kind of stuff. And so when you say that the market is uh, is not a good place to be, I mean, I understand that there's any number of companies <laughs> whose stock has recently taken... Uh, 49%. <laughs> bit of a slide. But I would think that this would be... In other words, I would think that the market would never be bad for a financial advisor because if things are going poorly, people maybe need advice now more than ever. Well, you may, you, you're right about that. But, uh, the, you know, people have... Uh, you know, get a little scared, don't want to move money, don't don't want to change anything, and uh, don't want to listen to us. That, so, that would be a bad uh, thing. Yeah. yeah. So I guess so. that would that would make your uh, that would make your job a little bit difficult. <laughs> uh, now I will say this, uh, you know, not to uh, not to fill one's head full of apprehensions and uh, dreadful anticipations and so forth. But if you're getting out of the finan or looking to get out of the financial advising market because you've got a whole bunch of people who maybe don't listen to you or uh, don't necessarily want to follow what you're telling them. I'm just saying sales does present, uh, how shall I be charitable, some of those same challenges, my friend. Uh, well, as, uh, I'm a, you know, I mean, being a financial advisor is, is, is a sales guy, too. You're just selling yourself. You're not selling that intangible thing airtime, I guess. <laughs> I will say, by the way, let me just tell you that the, you did distinguish yourself almost immediately by at no point in this hundred-word description describing yourself as, quote, a people person. Uh, dual, just every, just in case uh, you know people want access to this information, I will tell you now. If you describe yourself in any way as a people person, your resume is immediately shredded. Uh, well, you nobody know, will I, talk to you. Nobody will hire you. You know, Rick, I did it kind of as a lark. Just to be uh, be perfectly honest, we did it kind of as a lark. And I, but I'm glad you guys called me. Well, I'm saying, and, and here you are, my friend. Uh, so as uh, as Alec Baldwin would say in Glengarry Glen Ross, when you're in sales. You talking about what? You talking about the uh, talking about sales? Talking about some son of a bitch doesn't want to buy, but you uh, want to sell? You talking about land and so forth? So let me ask you a couple of questions here. Um, my first question to you, sir Todd, would be: Please now to describe this very fine radio station in three sentences or less. Your radio station probably. You know, targets us, us young male demographic with like us and yourself. And, um, you know, you, you, uh, Choke. uh yeah, a little, <laughs> um, but you know, you're hip, you're funny, you're, uh, and you're, uh, you know, you're pop culture based, you know, your, your, your knowledge of pop culture is probably, Greater than You're just pulling random own. words out of your head now, aren't you? Well, you know, you put you get it put on the spot on on uh, a local radio. What are you going to do? You Let know? me tell you, sir, sales is one long spot into which you are put. <laughs> uh, let me ask you this: If uh, answer this sentence, if AM nine seventy were a car, it would be what? AM nine seventy were car. This is an actual question, by the way, that a general sales manager of ours used to ask people. He wrote this, huh? Yes. <laughs> I, I guess you you probably have to be um, one of those Euro <laughs> sports cars that isn't too flashy but uh, gets the job done. I don't know. What Wait, we, let what me. We, so, the, so we're adequate, is what you're saying? Yeah, you're adequate. If AM 970 were a lady, what <laughs> color hair might she have? And why? That's a crazy. Answer the question. That's not please. an answer. Oh, that's a real question. Yes, they're all real questions, sir. Oh. One must be prepared for any eventuality when talking oh, you, to a client. You're definitely a brunette. 
Definitely brunettes. All right. Uh, Tim Riley wants to know, what shoes are you currently wearing, sir, and how much did you pay for them? Um, pair of Cole Hans. <laughs> and, so I got for half price the Nike store. All right. So, so uh, this uh, yeah. you, you you paid then how much for these? One hundred and fifty bucks, I guess. Tim, how do you feel about that? That's fine. All right. Feel that? You feel the shoe passes muster? <laughs> I believe so. All right. Uh, and finally, sir, your final question today: What would you say to a prospective client who told you, "quote I can't afford advertising right now." You have to, you, know, you can't afford not to advertise right now with the downturn in this economy. Really, right? Isn't that the way it works? Well, let's do a little role playing. So I say I can't afford to advertise. You say you can't afford not to advertise. And I say, that doesn't make any sense. Well, what do you mean? <laughs> well, I mean, advertising will obviously bring you more business, It's a, but it is a cycle. It will take an investment, but it comes, you put in, whatever you put in will like, eventually come out on the other end. It just it cycle. <laughs> or belt well, uh, I was just going to, that sounds unnecessarily crude, sir, if not untrue. <laughs> All right. Well, well, we'll call that an answer. All right, Todd, uh, thank you so much. Uh, we may or may not speak again, but uh, regardless, continued success uh, in life and in your career, whatever it may be, my friend. Well, I'm sorry to bust up your radio program. No, 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 no. It was, uh, That's not no, the no. attitude we want to hear exhibited. Sir, you've got, to, you've got to keep a stiff upper lip if one's going to be a salesman. Uh, <laughs> all right. In any event, my friend, thank you for listening. You spread the word, sir. Thank you. Thank you. There you go. That's it, Todd. All right. Thank you, Todd. Uh, Richie, you want to make sure that we've got his uh, contact info and uh, everything? Thank you. Whatever you put in one end comes out the other end. I mean, I guess that's true, but... Mm -hmm. Just, uh, that would cost me to sign an annual license. <laughs> Seriously, where do I sign? All right, well, there you go. Plonk. Jesus. Well, all right. Do Whatever you put in one end comes out the other end, really? All that right. sounds like a science experiment. I mean, I guess maybe uh, maybe that's closing with humor. Well, I think is. he's a good candidate. Really? Well, he, uh, he seemed to take the whole thing in uh, you know, with good humor. Well, he was down to earth. Well, there's only nine more of those to go to. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. All right. I feel like we just spent the afternoon at a temp agency. Seriously. All right. No, that was, he, he did a good job. No, he was put uh, on the spot. You know, he rolled with the punches is what he did. The best part is when I said, I asked him what kind of a car we would be, and he, he responded that we would be something adequate, not flashy, gets the job done. That's a ringing endorsement. And that's he said this to the PD. Seriously, that's exactly that. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Yeah, that, thank you for saying that, especially right to, right to me. Thanks so much. That's exactly the attitude when you carry out the, you carry that out the door to a prospective client. That that equals success. That but he attitude. is wearing flashy shoes. He is wearing good shoes though. So that matters right. a lot more than what you say. Well, and he says he looks good in a suit, and these sorts of things do matter with prospective clients. And he took all of our uh, juvenile insanity with good humor. So, all right, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Okay, this just in: the FAA says a communications failure at a Georgia facility that processes flight plans for the eastern half of the U.S. is causing flight delays around the country. There are no safety issues, of course, and everybody's just fine at the moment, so don't worry about it. That's why they put the story out. By the way, just as the, in the interest of decorum and politeness and common courtesy, I will not read any of the emails that are coming in about our first uh, sales applicant there. Oh, are people commenting? Oh, they are. All right. Uh, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Will they be exhibited in any... Well, of course, it is basically an interview, and we can't disclose that information publicly. What? 
the comments made. Uh, no, although, you know, it's kind of tricky, actually. You, dude, you wouldn't even, I mean, you would believe, but I was going to say, you wouldn't even believe the machinations we had to go through with the legal department to do this contest. I mean, you would not believe uh, the, the, the amount of paperwork we had to do to be able to do a contest for a sales gig. And it's just all, it's, I mean, even by CBS standards, uh, you know, the, the memoranda flowed forth like the River Ganges. I mean, it was I'm sure insane. there's a whole set of labor laws that go with that, too. Dude, yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, all right, here's Tim Riley. So uh, let's listen to Ted Kennedy, the ailing icon told uh, uh, delegates at the Democratic National Convention that he'll be in the U.S. Capitol for January's presidential inauguration ceremonies. I pledge to you that I will be there next January on the floor of the United States Senate when we begin the great stuff. He said there is something new in the air. There is a new wave of change all around us. And if we set our compass through, we will reach... Our destination. What song is that? That's the Ted Kennedy music. Oh, this happens every time, and I never catch on. Every I always time. think it's in the sound bite no. that I didn't hear the first time. And then you always ask the question, and then I answer I always, it. I always ask the same question, like I'm surprised. And then it's like the answer goes into the temp file in your brain, and it just gets deleted, like your cash gets empty when you walk out the door, which happens to me. Uh-huh. Can I just tell you this? Uh, I was talking to um, uh, John uh, John Paul, who is the uh, uh, who's the PD over at Couple. He and I were talking yesterday, and having a meeting about something and um anyway somebody asked the question of like you know well uh, you know what what'd you talk about today or whatever i it was some it was some meeting where i had to talk about like what had been on the show that day and i could not remember for the life of me not just because i hadn't eaten just because like my brain i walk out of the studio at 301 brain empty i couldn't remember what went on the show 10 minutes uh, afterward if you put a gun to my head. well it's like when we play the best of recap i don't remember saying half these things oh seriously you hear those promos where it's like if you haven't heard the rick everson show you missed this great thing that tim riley said it's like none of us remember it being said things spill out of your mouth and there's no rehearsal and there it is exactly really take it back all right let's do uh, a couple more here and then we'll uh, talk to steve caston a couple more uh, ted kennedy things he said there is uh hope for all americans the work begins anew the hope rises again, and the dream lives on. You didn't do too bad. Uh, Caroline Kennedy, is there music for her? No. I'll let an emotional well, tribute. Wait, does she, have, uh, does she have something malignant? No. Then no. Malignant beauty of a Kennedy. <laughs> malignant beauty of a Kennedy. That's, I'm going to... That's, that's a, a great phrase. Malignant she has. She's a real malignant beauty, that one. Malignant beauty of a Kennedy. Okay. She uh, had an emotional tribute to her uncle Teddy. Teddy has made life better for people in this country and what around the world. For 46 years, he's been so much more than just a senator for the people of Massachusetts. He's been a senator for all who believe in a dream that's never died. Except for the one that died at the bottom of the uh, chapter quick. Oh, never mind. Caroline Kennedy says Uncle Teddy has helped many Americans. Not only has Teddy helped put the American dream within reach for so many families, he's been a powerful force around the world for human rights and human dignity, for refugees and the dispossessed. Okay. So that's the Teddy part. Uh, then coming up, we have uh, Michelle Obama. Well, then we should uh, do this. Let's uh, let's uh, all hang tight then, because we're actually going to welcome out of the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, based in New York City, but uh, this week in Denver, Colorado, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Hey, thanks for having me back. Uh, all right. Uh, so you were... Uh, okay, so you, uh, CNN has boots on the ground, as they say there, in, in Denver. So... Um, uh, hundreds and hundreds of boots on the ground. You got a whole. You guys got a whole city there, basically. There's like CNNville, right? Rick, this is radio heaven. I don't know if you've seen on CNN's website the tour of the CNN Grill, 
But we took over one of these, you know, around the sports arenas these days, there's, there's these, you know, big two- and three-level sports bars and restaurants. We literally took over an entire sports bar here and renamed it the CNN Grill. We took out all of the uh, the images and references to all of the local sports teams and replaced it with these neon signs that Excellent. say CNN Grill on the air. There's, there's free food. We flew in chefs from some of New York's finest restaurants. Are you making this up? I, I'm not kidding. Go on CNN.com. You'll see a tour. Okay. So, like, uh, all, you know, delegates that get invited in and special guests and political bigwigs uh, that get invited in, uh, you know, they get to partake in some free food and open bar. <laughs> nothing says, uh, nothing says come on in and uh, spend a long time being interviewed like free booze. Yeah, uh, and, and, and it's really funny because, you know, on the first floor we've got this whole restaurant set up and we've got a couple of TV sets and the radio show set is down there. And then upstairs is this big, you know, workspace for all the different uh, shows, production teams. So downstairs you hear all this partying going on, you know, and you hear these people at the end of the night, you know, you know, having fun, and, and we're all upstairs working. <laughs> i got to tell you this. Uh, I've read a whole lot of books uh, over the years about what it's like to sort of be on the campaign trail or to be at a convention, and it just seems, as James Carville said, a very rarefied kind of air. I mean, it is. I've never been uh, sort of in, you know, it, it, sort of in that situation firsthand, much to my undying regret, but, I, but it does seem like a sort of vibe or atmosphere that really you don't find anywhere else. Oh, you really don't, but but you really have to be working for a big organization to really appreciate it and fully enjoy uh, the experience. Because otherwise, you just work to death. You know, you're you're working right. from six in the morning till midnight. You know, but it's it's it, otherwise. But when you're working for a CNN, it, it's great. <laughs> it makes me want to go work for the marketing department when I see all they did. You know. Uh, so tonight, so the big deal tonight is uh, is Hillary Clinton, correct? Yes, Hillary was just out here about an hour and a half ago. She was checking out the podium. Chelsea Clinton was with her. She said uh, hello to everybody uh, on the microphone. There were about 100 cameramen uh, in front of the stage taking pictures of them. Uh, she was walking around the stage. She was doing that pointing thing. You know when she sees somebody out there in the audience and she points at them and smiles yeah. and waves? Uh, apparently she saw a few people out here in the arena as they're setting things up uh, that she recognized. I, uh, you know, uh, Dennis Miller, uh, who uh, you know, the comedian, of course, who does the uh, morning show here as well, um, it, Dennis actually he made a really good point one time. That something that Dennis Miller made an observation about Hillary Clinton that I in instinctively, just immediately, it resonated with me as true. And he said, you know, normally if somebody's on stage and they look down at the crowd and they point at somebody, you go, oh, hey, they spotted a friend, they know somebody. But when the Clintons are on stage and they point at somebody in the crowd, I immediately assume they have no idea who that person is. Well, I got the impression that she was actually just practicing the pointing and smiling thing. <laughs> that there really wasn't anybody out there she's, that she recognized, that she was getting ready for tonight, doing, she, doing the point and smile. She's trying to remember how to convey uh, actual human emotion or the appearance of same. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so this, I mean, what is the, I mean, I don't even know how to start on snarling this question. What is going to be the A, substance, and B, sort of tone of Hillary's uh, speech tonight? Because there's just all of this underneath, I mean, am I, let me back up for a second. Am I right in saying that underneath the radar a little bit or underneath the surface, there is all of this, all of this unresolved tension between the various camps, right? Well, well be, uh, yeah, before we get into this, I should let you know I've got some time here, so you've got me for a while, so right. ask away. But, um... If, if yesterday is any indication, Hillary Clinton is going to be talking directly to the supporters um, that, that still feel very strongly that, that she was dealt with uh, in a disre disrespectful manner, who are not happy with the way things played out, 
and who are actually considering voting for John McCain instead of Barack Obama. Yesterday, she spoke to the New York delegation's breakfast, their, their opening breakfast uh, at the Sheridan in, in downtown Denver, and she told them uh, that they have to get out there and find those people and, and get out the votes in November, get those folks to vote for Barack Obama and uh, Joe Biden. And she was saying that, you know, if you voted for me, and you are thinking now about voting for Senator McCain, that is a big mistake. She said in her, uh, in her words, she said, you have much more in common with Barack Obama than you do with Senator McCain and the Republicans. And then afterwards, uh, she was talking uh, to the press. She was uh, telling us that she will formally release her delegates here to do what uh, they, they, they so choose, but that she will be voting for Barack Obama here uh, when the roll call happens. And uh, but she said she can't control her delegates, and many of them feel that they were elected to come here and right. represent the voters who wanted Hillary Clinton to be the candidate. So she fully expects many of her delegates to still cast votes uh, for here, uh, for her here when they do the roll call. See, those things, uh, little uh, nuggets of information like that make me smile because it offers just the slightest glimmer of hope that there may be some kind of chaos. And that's really what I root for all the time here. You know, well, it wouldn't be fun if there wasn't some no, sort of chaos no. here. Hey, uh, not to, um, I mean, just to talk about this, I guess we, we should have, it was kind of a story that came out, I guess, late last night today. Um, was there, tell me a little bit, of, if you know, uh, about this sort of, this alleged, that they busted these guys who I guess were putting together some sort of plot to, to try to take a shot at Obama, something like that? Is this... Yeah, all I know is today the word that we're getting from the local authorities is that it was not a credible threat, that uh, these, it was nothing, essentially, that it was just idle talk, so that they're really downplaying the seriousness of this one today. Uh, is it true that Chelsea Clinton is going to be doing the, the narration for the Hillary introduction? I think so. She was out here on the stage. She was standing alone in front of the podium before her mother came out. She was practicing a little bit. She was uh, all smiles. She was talking to the press corps in front of her a little bit, uh, and just you know, shooting the breeze. And uh, I think she is. She's going to be out here. Excellent. All right, my friend. Uh, well, I'll let you get back to the uh, you know to the schmoozing and the boozing and the and the uh, you know the endless cavalcade <laughs> of food that is apparently being presented there. I am uh, I am in fact chartreuse with envy right uh, now. Oh. Rick, you would love it. I really should have invited you. I actually have three uh, VIP passes to use oh, as thanks. I so choose. Thanks so much. CNN Grill. Yeah, why don't you give me a paper cut and pour lemon juice in it? Thanks so much. <laughs> All right, Steve, we'll talk to you tomorrow, brother. Enjoy Take your day. Bye-bye. There you go. Steve Kastenbaum in Denver, Colorado. All right. Hmm. I have three VIP passes. All right, here's Tim Riley. Denver's not that far. No, I, well, you know, I should, uh, you know, he has three VIP passes. We had to get one of our many listeners in Denver and tell Steve to hook that guy. You know, then like Seamus or somebody. Oh, yeah. over. Hmm? We really, you know what? Steve, I I should just do that because Steve was just sort of because he knows that I'm not in a position to use them. Steve is sort of eh, sort of callously and spitefully dangling those VIP passes like in front of me just now. Stick. Look at these VIP passes, Rick Emerson, that you could use if only you were in Denver, Colorado. Uh, really, we ought to get Seamus just to go by and just say that he is my proxy, that he's my delegate. Seamus will be Rick Emerson. That would be awesome. Seamus should go by. Seamus, I'm speaking directly to you. I know because you're Oregon's Entertainer of the Year. That's right. Soon to be four years running. Uh, Congratulations. I know we have, thank you. I know that we have uh, many listeners in Colorado, but Seamus, I think it's fair to say he's the most high-profile listener we have in Colorado. And he's done a lot for the show. And he's done a lot for the show. Um, he's always pitched in whenever we do a, a fundraiser for various charities and whatever. Uh, but, um, but, but I will say that I ought to send him down as some sort of a, a delegate from the Rick Emerson show, see if he can finagle one of those VIP passes out of Steve Kastenbaum. All right. I give that like a I give that sixty forty uh, working. I think there's a sixty forty percent chance of success there. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Back to more. Give you coverage in just a moment, but first this important story. It's a back to school thing.
And with children going back to school, also the bed bugs are going back with the children. That's right. Watch out for bed bugs. Uh, Mark from the uh, Pets Solutions Company says, when you see a bed bug, make sure you take a close look at it. If I see spots, I look much more carefully because I want to see more than just that as evidence of an active infestation. You will, in all likelihood, see the bugs themselves. They're flat, they're the color of an apple seed, and they're kind of oval. They suck human blood. Really, do they? Mm -hmm. What's that thing? Okay, they suck human blood. What are those things that munch on your dead skin? Those are um, dust mites. Is that true? Dust mites? Mm -hmm. uh, it's so disgusting. You know, we have a disproportionate number of insect and the creepy crawly stories on the show, mm -hmm. but I know that's what the people like, so right. I'm just saying bed bugs freak me out. They're horrifying. Uh, now, have you ever have you experienced them firsthand? Because I never no, have. No, I, I found out about them and then spent the following six hours reading about them online because uh, yeah. it's, it's you know what it is it's the notion i don't think i've ever encountered bed bugs like you know up close but it's the notion of them that then i find really terrifying inspecting every little like blemish you have going is that seriously is that i'm a getting itchy yeah, exactly. yeah seriously. Just, see, now i'm scratching myself yeah. oh no that's uh, just more gallons all right here's uh, tim riley so uh, let's talk about michelle obama they did her bio on the uh, on the stage last night, and you know what her theme song was? The instrumental part to "Isn't She Lovely" by Stevie Wonder. Yeah, you know, I, they, they, I bet they won't do that for Hillary. No, you know that uh, slap someone. Uh, that, that that campaign uh, they use a lot of Stevie Wonder. Remember, um, and not in Iowa was it in New Hampshire where Hillary uh, came back real strong, and they thought she was going to go all the way, and somebody on a, on Obama's advance team had clearly uh, miscalculated, and oh, Obama sign sealed delivered. Sign sealed delivered. When he lost that yeah. night. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, let's see. Uh, she was introduced to uh, millions of Americans who don't know very much about her. I come here as a daughter raised on the south side of Chicago. That's a, that's a different accent. Who was a blue-collar city worker and a mother who stayed at home with my brother and me. She praised the important men in her life. I come here tonight as a sister, blessed with a brother who is my mentor, my protector, and my lifelong friend. And I come here as a wife who loves my husband and believes he will be an extraordinary president. Wait a minute. Now, let me just say for a second. Now, that's Michelle Obama. Yes. So, really? Here's the thing. When you first played that for a second, I guess because we were just talking oh, about yeah, her. Thought it was Hillary. I thought it was Hillary for a second. Oh, no. And that's why I went. That's why I made that comment about the accent. I was because I was like, I was thinking to myself, even by Hillary standards, this is really insane. She's put on an entirely different accent oh. now. Because then I was in my head hearing Hillary going, I don't feel no ways tired. I don't want your life. Uh, no, I don't think she's going to do that again. No. Okay. So that's, okay. That I was having like the biggest cognitive dissonance there for a second. Mm. Okay. That's Michelle Obama. That makes much right. more sense now. My brain was kind of folding on itself. So she has two daughters and uh, she worries about them. They're the first things I think about when I wake up in the morning and the last thing I think about before I go to bed at night. Their future and all our children's future is my stake in this election. Uh, she says something nice about Hillary. Who put those 18 million cracks in that glass ceiling so that our daughters and our sons can dream a little bigger and aim a little higher. Good. So she put some cracks in the ceiling. So I did not see uh, Michelle Obama talk last night because I was at Weird Al. That's, that shows you, by the way, where my priorities are as, as an American. She's really. an attractive lady. Uh, no, I, I, she's, she's Jackie Kennedy. I have to say, uh, I... I Maybe this is inappropriate uh, to, to say that. Well, you know, I've been talking about how hot I find Hillary for years, but yeah, Michelle Obama's hot. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, but but I mean, really, if one needs any if one needs any concrete indication of where my priorities are and what I believe directly impacts my life as an American, 
Uh, you know, it's like I could either sit at home and I could watch a guy who might be the next president or I could go see Weird Al. Weird Al. So I all I know about Michelle Obama is kind of the little bit I heard this morning, saw a little bit on TV, and then I kind of the general tone. But did you see it last night? Yes. Now, was, where do you rank her speech? Big thumbs up? Yeah, I would say so. I never saw her speak before. Yeah, so, uh, but everybody is kind of making that, that Jack and Jackie Kennedy mm-hmm. uh, thing, which, and I wonder, well, I mean, obviously a lot of it comes from the Obama camp because they got all the Kennedys standing up there with them. But, I mean, that's a, the great thing is that they don't ever say that themselves. They never make any direct allusions to it themselves. They're kind of doing the smart political thing of letting other people say that about them. But see, what, what I get out of this whole thing by watching it is that there's, there are the Kennedy Democrats and there are the Clinton Democrats. Right. And right now the Kennedy Democrats are in the limelight. Yeah, well, because they – do you think that they're trying to defocus from the Clintons? Yes. Because the Clintons seem, A, evil, and B, very from yesterday. They seem like yesterday's news. And they want it to be known the Kennedys still have clout after all these years. Yeah. How? I mean, you know, it's really interesting what do you think I – and mean, maybe not unsurprising – that the Kennedys at this point do seem to have more clout than, you know, a former president mm-hmm. – uh, and and you know Hillary Clinton is a senator, so I mean it's it, it's this country is so weird. I just the, the politics is just ever changing and always mystifying. So right after this, uh, Barack Obama comes on the TV. First, he says he's in the wrong city, and his daughter corrects him. And I uh, had nice things to say about his wife. Now you know why I asked her out so many times, <laughs> even though she said no. For ice cream. Ice cream. Uh-huh. You, you want a persistent president. So we don't know what kind of ice cream she likes. Uh, he wished Michelle well. He likes her a lot. Well, listen, I want you guys to look after the girls, uh, look after Mommy, uh, before I get there, and I'll, I'll see you guys on Thursday, all right? I love you, Daddy. Oh, please. Oh. Are you kidding me? There were two standing right up there. She was talking over him for a lot of the time, going, hi, Daddy. Yeah. <sighs> How old are they? How old are the kids? They are 10 and 7. Was that the seven-year-old? Because mm-hmm. then, because there's a certain age where the ten-year-old looks a lot older. But I guess, yeah. If if you watch uh, one of those uh, shows on the CW, they all act older. Yeah, the uh, what with the Gossip Girl, yeah, and so forth. I mean, she uh, looked like a future Gossip Girl. The seven-year-old was the one who was chatty. Okay, I was gonna say because at a certain because there's, you know you got to wonder like depending on how old the kid is, is that a is it been coached? Yeah, is that like yeah. a spo- is that a legitimately spontaneous thing where she's you know where she's just doing what kids do, or is she has she been told to like look I need you to act precocious uh, I want you to do so in the following nine ways. Oh uh, no! As soon as he popped up, she was like, "Hi!" and talking over him. You know yeah. what? Uh, Americans love nothing more than to see that your reproductive organs work. I mean, really, yeah, that I, is... I think the problem was he, you know he was. Uh, getting the feedback on delay. Really? So they were oh, like walking all over themselves. Well, no, wait, no, that was in Denver. Where's he, though? He was in uh, Kansas City, but yeah. said he was in St. Louis. <laughs> uh, uh, so, it, well, all right. His good friends in St. Louis, but he was actually with his good friends in Kansas City. That's like in the... Uh, the same thing. The Midwest is flat. And all <laughs> one, big, one big group of flyovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, it, well, as I say, so I was at Weird Al last night, and yesterday was the first day that I had the cable turned on. Uh, hey. The cable got turned on yesterday afternoon, but I wasn't able to use it yet. So it's like having a brand new car, I haven't been able to drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the cable is on. Uh, Weird Al last night, now my slate for tonight, my agenda, my schedule, clear. You know why? Because I'm going to go home and I'm just going to wallow in the sweet, uh, succulent glass boob that is the television. And I'm just going to sit there and just have the electronic opiate shoved right into my brain for hours tonight. So I I was going to watch CNN, because we do love CNN. They're a uh, proud partner of ours. You're saying, though, uh, you come down, you find MSNBC to have some good coverage? I liked it a lot better. And they had Pat Buchanan. Oh, really? Yeah, that that made all the difference in the world. That might be the deciding factor Uh for me. 
Uh, I, you know, I was in a, it was at the, where was I at the other day? I was at a bookstore or something, and I saw yet another book. Pat Buchanan writes like a book a month. Yeah. I, he's busy. I really, he, it's like he's got his sub, it's like in the Tommy Knockers. It's like he's got his subconscious just wired up to some sort of a, like a Wang word processor and it just churns things out from his brain. Mm-hmm. So, all right, well, I might check that out just so I can watch Pat Buchanan. Uh, then, of course, you have those uh, getting arrested. About 100 protesters uh, were arrested after a two-hour standoff near the City Hall of Denver. At least some went to the city's newly publicized temporary jail, a big warehouse. About 300 demonstrators put bandanas over their faces, which makes everyone hate them anyway for doing it. And locked arms when the riot squad moved in. First, they used pepper spray because they deserved it. And then they pushed them out of the park. Then they cut off their access to a nearby mall, which they would have caused trouble in anyway. Eric Finch said a policeman shot him in the arm with something that looked like a paintball. We're all marching, but just no one, no one did anything. We no, nobody did anything. Completely unnecessary force. No, no. Hippie, yeah, get a job. Uh, so, they came there to cause trouble. I so. mean, really. Crack and, their heads. And here's the plot. And I know that I this makes me sound like an old guy when I just tell these protesters just to shut it and get back to Reed College. But I, but here's the thing. I'm going to sound old in two different ways. A uh, you know, I think I, I think what those hippies need is a good clubbing, Tim. A good scrubbing. Uh, <laughs> get off the weed and uh, get yourself some new dungarees to wear. But here's the other thing. Don't get me wrong. Rick Emerson loves sticking it to the man. Sticking it to the man is... I say this now realizing that in many ways I have become the man. But that being said, uh, you know, sticking it to the power structure, uh, specifically sticking it to Whitey, that is a proud American tradition, one that I can get behind. Uh, what in the latter era they began to call culture jamming. I'm a big fan of that. You know, when you want to screw with the established order of things, God love you. It's what one of the one of the things that makes this country great. But I mean, but it's just so boring. I mean, just the idea of showing up, linking arms, and I'm going to break in the window of a Starbucks, and it's just so tiresome and tedious. Uh, and this is a thing that happened before I was even born. So I mean, I'm again referencing something I wasn't even around to see. But, I mean, you really look you look back at the gold standard for all of this, uh, at least until Michael Moore came along. The gold standard for protest was Abby Hoffman. Uh, maybe still is. In terms of actual physical on the ground, there at the scene political protest, Abby Hoffman probably is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Probably the best there ever will be in terms of actual on the scene physical political protesting. Uh, and he was just, you know, he had a sense of fun, of creativity, a little. He had a mischievous gleam in his eye and his zeal for it. And then these, these, the kids are just obnoxious jackasses. He's actually an effective protester. Well, because he knew that to protest. Now I'm just soapboxing. Uh, but I mean, but but we, we are a soapboxer. We had a consultant say yeah. that I'm a soapboxer. <laughs> You were there in the meeting. We won't yes. use the name of the consultant, but no. you. Uh, but what did they say? There were six different types of broadcasters. Yeah. And I'm a uh, what? A soapboxer. Soapboxer. Yeah. Everybody, write that down. Rick Emerson soap is a soapboxer. Good. Uh, the um, Abby Hoffman. So Abby Hoffman realized, though, that the key to an effective protest was creativity and theatricality and humor wherever possible. And it, Abby Hoffman said the greatest thing one time. Uh, he said that if somebody had pulled down Hitler's pants. Uh, on stage in like 1933 or something, he never could have risen to power. He's like, if somebody just jumped on stage and pulled down his pants in front of the crowd, he never could have, you know, taken over well, Germany. Taking away the power of them and showing everyone else that they are just human beings. The power of yeah. ridicule, for even the devil cannot bear scorn, Kristen Bowie. So, I mean, you give me a seltzer bottle and a cream pie and a camera, I mean, I can take over the world, really. And the best ever example of this, and then I'll shut up, uh, the two best examples of this. 
when Abby Hoffman was protesting, he did the uh, well. They did they ran the pig for president. But the two best examples ever were when Abby Hoffman and all the yippies circled the Pentagon. And they announced to everybody that they were going to form a circle and they were going to levitate the Pentagon 50 feet in the air. Because a Pentagon in most religions is a five-sided symbol of evil. Mm. And so Abby Hoffman's like, you know what, we're going to get together, we're going to ring the Pentagon, we're going to be completely peaceful, we're going to levitate it 50 feet in the air. And then they all get arrested because, did you know it's illegal to levitate the Pentagon? It is in fact illegal. Cops it's like, an actual law? Cops are like, it's illegal to levitate the Pentagon, get in the paddy wagon. <laughs> Which is just great because it just made the cops, uh, you know, at that time, who which was his target, it made them just look like, uh, you know, just, just look like uh, thugs, which was his whole goal. And of course, the best ever Abby Hoffman protest, like bar none, period, is uh, and the thing you can no longer do because they've closed it off, is when Abby Hoffman and, and a couple other uh, ne'er do wells went into the New York Stock Exchange and they stood above the trading floor at the height of uh, trading during the day. They stood above the trading floor at the New York Stock Exchange. And they took about, I don't know, like 30 or $40 worth of, worth of uh, $1 bills. And they sprinkled dollar bills over the trading floor at the New York Stock Exchange. And trading for a couple minutes stopped as stockbrokers stock broker stopped what they were doing and they started bending over to pick up dollar bills off the floor. And when you think about how genius that is, first of all, the whole thing cost 30 bucks. Second of all, it got him all over the media, got all kinds of press attention. And when you think about just the massive genius involved in the symbolic nature of that, that, I mean, you know, billions of dollars traded every hour in the New York Stock Exchange, they stopped it because the stockbrokers were more interested in bending over to pick up 30 bucks off the floor. They used $30 and the love of $30 to stop billions of dollars worth of trading. I mean, it's like the best piece of theater ever performed. And, you know, and, the, you know, where is these, uh, these ruffians in Denver? They're just a bunch they of a sign and mouth. They're just they're just a bunch of miscreants, Tim. Well, then let's hear from one of these unwashed feminists, shall we? Yes. This is Taryn Castor. She says she was taking pictures and minding her own business, as everyone intended to do when um, they got sure, there. Sure, of course. When she was savagely sprayed with pepper spray. Whatever. And it hurt her eyes. It came from the back. They squeezed us together and sprayed us all with gas. You know, I think I know what she needs, Tim. Piano lessons? <laughs> no, that was a Duckman reference. Oh. Never mind. Uh, except I mangled it because I think Duckman said something about, oh, see, now I just lost all my animation cred. I was trying to make a Duckman joke, and I just screwed it up. We can come back to it. Anyway, so she's what? So she's angry and hates angry things, and, and she was minding her own business. No one there was minding. No one came there to mind their own if business. If you're minding your own business, you would, look, let's. A normal human being just parades around in bandanas, shaking their fists at people. Go protest. Don't go protest. You know, whatever. Let's not abuse the English language. Minding your own business means that you're, I don't know, living at home in Ashland or something. Uh, getting on a plane and flying and walking around on the street for no readily apparent reason at a place where you actually have uh, no, you know, you actually don't have any reason to be there is not minding your own business. That's just an abuse of the English language is what that is. Minding your own. All right, whatever. Here's something to irritate you even more. Right. From the Jay Leno program, uh, John McCain showed his funny side when Leno joked about his age. You have a birthday Friday. Thank you for mentioning that. Again, we were going to have a cake, but the fire marshal said, that many candles. Well, that was cut off right in the middle. I guess that was enough. Uh, McCain says his campaign tone is rough. 
And shouldn't be focusing on the amount of real estate a candidate owns. I'm proud of my record of service to this country, and it has nothing to do with houses. What it has to do with putting Americans in houses and keeping them in their homes. And that's what I know. I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I believe that unless... And one can never count the Republican attack machine out because it is a finely tuned... Oh, no, the Republicans know how to destroy people. It really is one of their only real skills. Uh, And and they do it for Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) And people believe it. Kicking ass for the Lord Uh, since uh, at least 1980 in this fashion. Uh, Although, you know, really, Nixon, I think, is... uh, I think Nixon is probably still the modern uh, standard bearer for the Republicans in Uh that regard. Um, Anyway... um, but, I mean, the Republicans really do know how to just destroy people, personally and professionally. They get the gold medal in that every four years. So you can never really count them out. But I would say at this point, unless the Republicans can really put together a concerted effort just to just to shred Obama somehow in, in, in the press or in his image, you know, I think it's just going to be I think it's just going to be Obama by a head. I mean, I don't uh, I, I just don't, I, I just don't see McCain winning. You know, I just don't. And I, I say that only as a as a as an observer. But again, you know, I didn't see Bush winning twice. No. So, you know, I didn't see Al Gore losing. I didn't see John Kerry winning so much as I saw George Bush not winning. I don't think most of the country saw George Bush winning that election. You know. So, I mean, they don't have Karl Rove this year, but at least, you know, maybe, maybe that's only in a public capacity. Maybe he's working behind the scenes. But I, I just can't. I just can't see anybody getting excited about McCain. And the thing is, everybody's sort of excited about Obama. Uh, you know, and so, you know, what do I know, though? Well, let's talk about uh, John McCain and his wife, Cindy. Uh, They're trying to court uh, young and Hispanic voters by bringing Latino rapper Daddy Yankee to Phoenix. One student was not impressed by what they called a publicity stunt. He used Daddy Yankee as a diversion to maybe bribe us into his vote. It was meaningless and pointless. It was supposed to be a press conference and be able to ask questions today. This is like that uh, that thing they did where they were doing the, uh, the, 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 the takeoff on MTV Cribs, but it was John McCain's, like, tour bus or whatever. And they had, like, whoever, they had the, the you know, the, uh, the sort of uh, scruffy-faced youth from the McCain campaign going, like, hey, yo, we're looking... You- it's John, it's McCain Cribs. Come check out come check out how we roll. You know, and you're just watching it and like your skin is crawling off of your body, it's so bad. Uh that was back that like back in the days of Bob Dole. Come see my, my me on my website, like he's putting together a website by himself every day. It's just it's embarrassing. Uh and so McCain is kind of doing uh, Obama's work for him, uh, in that McCain is making himself look silly. And nobody will ever vote for a silly person for president. I mean, I think George Bush is probably the exception to that rule. But, uh, I mean, because that's the thing that killed Carter, right, was being on, you know, going on TV and wear a sweater. I mean, that is just no, or that, that picture of uh, Dukakis in the tank. That was bad, too. I mean, you know, people, the, the power of propaganda. I'm a big believer in the use of propaganda to achieve the right ends. And, I mean, this is, uh, McCain is kind of propagandizing himself right here. Here's a good question, Tim. Mm-hmm. About the DNC. This email says, I don't understand who is protesting or what they are protesting. Are they hippie liberals? That wouldn't make any sense because it's the Democratic Convention. Is it pasty wasps? Well, they never protest anything. Although if the police cut off access to a local mall, it would make sense the protesters are boring white people. What would make suburban white people more afraid than being denied access to the Gap and the Disney store? Anyway, I don't understand who these people are or what they're protesting. I don't think anybody... That's a good question. Nobody seems to know. Maybe Steve uh, should go down there and ask one of those folks that. All right. I mean, I'm not trying to be overly snarky about that. I really just don't know. The only thing I could think of is if they're protesting the whole Hillary Clinton thing again. But see, but that's not true. I, I can't, I mean, I can't imagine. I don't think the young people are really behind Hillary Clinton. You know what I mean? No. Uh, I, I think a lot of articles about annoying stay-at-home 
Not not saying that all stay-at-home moms are annoying, but these women are just horrible. And they're like, it's against feminism. And, oh, yeah, Whatever. I, you know, I will say that the thing about Hillary Clinton that she would have, if she had been the nominee, that she would have had going for her, she's not nearly as evil as Cindy McCain seems to be. Yeah, I mean, she really looks at she has separate evil eyes. Cindy McCain looks like she's got a bucket full of children's bones cooking at home. Um, here's Tim Ryan. I mean, if somebody did an autopsy on her, sawdust would fall out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can, I, I can see that. Uh, just held together by stitches and hate, Tim. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it's time to talk about a traditional Labor Day barbecue. Party planner Jennifer said there are simple ways to add a new twist to make the event memorable for everyone. You want to give guests something that's a little bit different that they're going to remember after the party and just create an atmosphere that, you know, the more that you pay a little bit of attention to the de- to the decor and the type of food that you're serving, people are going to actually enjoy it more and feel like it's a special day instead of just the everyday get-together. Why not serve mini versions of traditional barbecues and get everybody talking? Instead of doing hamburgers and hot dogs, you can do mini beef sliders, you know, mini burgers. Sweet potato fries in mini Chinese takeout containers is a really cute way to serve those. Um, You can do appetizers like crudités in little glass votive holders. You start serving mini things and people complain about being in a third world country. (laughs) I'm an American. I want normal-sized food. I want large bread. Please downsize my food. Can you give me tiny, tiny portions? That's what Americans One love. Of tiny portions. Right. Lots of tiny portions. You know, you know, the next time we have some sort of an event here, we got to have Claim Jumper cater it. I was just thinking that the other day. Who's she? You know, Claim Jumper, that place with the huge portions of everything. Hey, I have a question, Tim. I've never me- been there. So I don't I... mean to put you on the spot about this, but no, you enjoy at P.F. Chang's the Great Wall of Chocolate. I do. Now, if I may ask, now, as a vegan, now, how does that work? Because then they have eggs oh. or something in it? Well, I ask for certain things to be left out of it. There are things in there that I can't eat, like cream and things mm-hmm. like that, and you can't have all those things left oh, out. Oh, really? Excellent. Okay. i got to try that one of these days. It sounds uh, You make it sound very enticing. Maybe Claim Jumper could be KCMD's addition to PigFest. There did, you go. Did we find out if PigFest is real or Pig not? PigFest is a real event. Oh, my gosh. If you'd like it, I've got to have Brian Jones come back in and talk about it. <laughs> no, I'm sure he knows all about it. I mean... <laughs> Because he knows uh, fine eating and food. Well, no, but the engineering department, they're cooking the, uh, they're doing the cooking. And they're really, the, let's be honest. The, the engineering department is sponsoring this? No, but they're doing, they're handling the barbecuing. And really, I have to say, they're the only people I trust with that equipment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, a bunch of drunken DJs, you know, like, I don't know, just turn it up higher. All right. Uh, we're not being asked to participate, though, so I guess we're only required to bring our bubbling personalities. Well, that's a good thing, because we, we don't want to bring things that people aren't going to no. eat. I don't like to talk to people anyway. I don't blame you. Uh, we should just bring nothing but the... We should just bring nothing but head cheese. Just buckets of head cheese. Uh, what do you think? Yes, let's do that. All right. You can carry that up. To do we need to take a break? Are, yes. we, are we insane? When's the last time we took we a break? Are. Kind of like three days ago. Oh, okay. You know, have I mentioned lately that the show needs to be longer? I mean, I think we yes. need to start doing like a seven-hour show. Maybe we could do that Opie and Anthony thing where we'll do like the show here and then we'll charge people to listen to another two hours of it later. You know, I mean, really nothing's as American like soaking the consumer for every dime you can get. Is that doable? We do anything we want. We're American. Tim, you're an American, not an American. I think uh, you're right. We can do whatever we want. Uh, the, uh, just, there's just so much we don't get to. And I'm, you know, the irony is here by talking about the things we're not getting to. I'm not getting to things right now. We've done a lot, though. I, I made it through half my stack. You've got news, Tim. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Here, let's, before we break, let's say we've got uh, around the corner Nina Parker from TMZ.com. Yes? Oh, yes. Then more news, Tim? How do you feel about that? Oh, I, I'd love it. Yes. Then, um, let's see. Wait, hold on. Oh, we haven't taken that harassment quiz. Damn me. Damn me to hell. And then we got to do the uh, top five. 
uh, top five rock songs written about a specific book. Oh, and then I, I never really, I never really got to this worst song you've ever heard, and it is, uh, it is applicable this week. It's about politics. Well, let's take a break. We'll come back. Nita Parker from TMZ and so forth. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. You'd like to join us today? You know that answering calls within ten minutes thing lasted like an hour. I'm so sorry. If you're on hold, we'll get your calls after this. Yeah. I should be destroyed. Uh, back after this, the Rick Emerson Show. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into whimsy. It's uh, 503-733-2970. We'll talk to Nina Parker from TMZ.com here in just a moment. Uh, later on, uh, this is totally my fault. We were supposed to talk to Sarah Dillon uh, like 20 minutes ago. And I think that might have been her on hold, and then I just uh, didn't realize she was there, and now she hates me. So... Uh, we'll talk to Sarah here in a few. Uh, more news from Tim Riley. Uh, later on in the next hour, we will do the top five. Today's top five, top five rock songs written about a book. Uh, Jesus, let's just a brief sampling of things I haven't gotten to. Well, I haven't gotten to Nina Parker from TMZ, who's on hold, so let's do that first. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from TMZ.com, Nina Parker. Parker, Parker, Parker. Hello. How's it going? Uh, sorry for being late. I'm a terrible person. Oh, late? No, you're fine. <laughs> That's the right answer. Thank you for thank you for wallpapering over my many sins with that one comment. <laughs> Uh, all right, so uh, well, it's just uh, I say this every week, uh, but it's just been kind of an insane week as far as uh, as far as you guys go and all the stuff you're sort of covering. So uh, if I were to ask you right now, if I were to grab you in the hallway, buttonhole you, and say Nina Parker from TMZ, the one big story you guys are following right now is. Uh, one of the biggest ones right now is Charlie Theron. We got her out in Denver at the Democratic convention, and she is not excited to see cameras. And so is this, uh, is she sort of, what is, the, what is the general read on her as a celebrity? Is she a look at me but really don't look at me or don't look at me but really look at me or is she just, does she generally just like to be left alone? She generally likes to be left alone, absolutely. And a lot of times we abide by that. A lot of people just abide by it just because she generally doesn't go in a lot of places where there are a lot of paparazzi. But it being the Democratic Convention, you know, there are tons of celebrities out. There are tons of people out. It's just, you know, a media event. So for something like that, you'd think that, the, that she would be a little bit prepared to, you know, see cameras just because pretty much everyone is there covering the event. But – she was not excited to see our camera guy at the airport, and she let us know it. Um, speaking of uh, people who always seem to find their way in front of cameras, so Sean Lennon, first of all, two things. One, uh, because I, because I A, am not 14, and B, don't have children, I only have a passing sort of knowledge of the Jonas Brothers. I just know that they seem to have perfect teeth, and I can't escape them because they're on the cover of every magazine everywhere. Um but uh, but I guess there was some some sort of what is it, a dust up some sort of kerfuffle between Sean Lennon and the Jonas Brothers, which seems even as I'm saying it, it sounds surreal. It, it is a little strange. We we happened to just catch him over at LAX, and you know we asked what he thought you know about their fame and how you know they had escalated to such huge stardom, and he was just like, I don't know who these people are. Are they like a cartoon on Disney or something? So he had absolutely no idea who they are. They're they're big in pop culture, but you know.
know, if that's not something that you follow often, it's easy probably to have them, you know, kind of fall under your radar. So. Hey, did you, by the way, did you a few, I don't know, about maybe a month, month and a half ago, did you happen to see that photograph of Sean Lennon and whoever his current girlfriend is where I, it was uncanny? It's like he had the big sort of duster hat on and the wire rim spectacles and the sort of beard, and it was like it really looked astonishingly like John and Yoko. Well, we have that actually on our website right now. He's with his girlfriend, who's actually in a big leather jacket and a black hat, and he has the little hat on and the and the the glasses, and you know he looks really identical to his dad. So if you go to TMZ.com right now, you can take a look at the video. Uh, he, you know, he's doing right by his dad because he looks just like him. It is. It's a little unnerving to look at, actually. Yeah, uh, it is. And then I guess is it this coming weekend that Michael Jackson has his was his 50th birthday coming up, right? here impersonating him in Los Angeles. Uh, there's this guy who, you know, has been roaming the streets of Los Angeles for the last couple of weeks, you know, kind of impersonating Michael, going into stores, dressed in his whole gear. Well, we put it on our website, and this guy, you know, basically told us that this impersonator stole all these clothes, all of the clothes that we've been seeing him in. He stole them from him for, in Las Vegas. So, you know, just watching our site, he was able to kind of identify this guy and say, you know, I, he was actually homeless in Vegas. I kind of transformed him into this Michael Jackson impersonator, and he kind of jacked me and ran off with my stuff. You know, it is interesting to think about the plight of Michael Jackson impersonators, and that's really, right. that, that was sort of a uh, that was a career choice that I think kind of imploded, like around the uh, like around the 1993-94 era. Exactly. Uh, there's really not a lot of money to be made. I mean, unlike Elvis, who went through a whole lot of personal transformations, but like you can still make money uh, selling yourself out as, a, as an Elvis impersonator. But it didn't, I don't really think there's a whole lot of cash these days in impersonating Michael Jackson. That would just seem creepy, I think. Yeah, they'd have, probably have to stick with the 80s, early 90s. Anything past that, I don't think anyone wants you at their birthday party. Okay, here's a great idea, a little money-making idea. I'm going to pass this along from me to you. Somebody ought to uh, present himself. Somebody, and Los Angeles is exactly the city for this, somebody ought to market themselves as a fully interactive, historically accurate uh, real-time transformation of Michael Jackson. They start off the evening as Michael Jackson, maybe off-the-wall Michael Jackson, and then by the end of the night, they are Michael Jackson, like, you know, freaky in Vegas, nose-falling-off Jackson. Yeah, I mean, I think that would make a lot of money. <laughs> Michael Jackson, 30 years and 30 minutes. Yeah, that, see, there you go. That, you, know? you, you even got the tagline for it. See? <laughs> exactly. Great minds think alike. All right, Nina Parker, TMZ.com. We will talk to you next time. Thank you, my Thanks friend. Thanks so much. All right, there you go. Nina Parker, ladies and gentlemen, on KCMD Portland, a CBS radio station. Hello, Tim Riley. Well, hello. So terribly behind today. It doesn't matter. We'll get to it some other day. I like your spirit. All right. I'll do this call, then we'll do a couple headlines, then you will go off to prepare uh, news for the people, for the masses. Yes, I can't wait to get to my little room. Hi, you're on the Rick Everson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. Hey. I have an idea for you. Yes. Since you love the revivalist stuff so much, why not have it as a listener party for this next year? Oh, you mean sort of instead of doing the wake? Right. Why not have a revivalist? You could wear a seersucker suit. Sarah could have giant hair and Tammy Faye Baker makeup. I like your style. Okay, so because crystal ballroom just sort of like hangs some flags and you know put some uncomfortable pews and plastic chairs in there. Here's you a, should create your own flag. No, no, no. This is a great idea. So because uh, you know obviously the last uh, the last listener party was a Rick Emerson roast, and then Sarah and I especially we always just sort of stress out and we just uh, we sort of freak ourselves into a tizzy about what are we going to do next and how are we going to top ourselves and what's the next theme going to be. 
And somebody the other day, and I think it was me, said the next listener party ought to be the Rick Emerson wake, uh, where it's all this sort of like weird sort of uh, you know, theoretical postmortem analysis of me and the show and the whatever, which is interesting if a little creepy and like dressing as goths. Well, yes, Tim. Yeah, you'd, you'd get a lot of hemos in there. Hemos? Not emos, hemos. Is that a male emo fan? Sort of. It's Did... an emo guy that's so emo, he's almost homosexual, but not quite. So he's uh, so he's just very, very emo. He's hella emo. Yeah, wicked emo, maybe. Moving on. Uh, so then your idea, though, as instead of that, because the thing about it is that would work. The Rick Emerson Wake would work well. I was talking to Susan Reynolds about this. It would work well for Halloween, uh, but I, we just don't have the time. I mean, because it's, it's, what, it's already September, right, almost? Yeah. And we got the Rockfest coming up, and Dennis Miller is coming to, to town, and we're going to be doing a thing with that. So there's probably no time, but I've had the... Uh, but I've had just in the time since the words left your mouth to my ear, to my brain, back into my mouth, back out the radio to your ears, I have the whole uh, vision of the Rick Emerson revival happening for yeah. Rick Emerson Listener Party 12, and it's glorious. You can, well, you know, you should save the wake for number 13 then. Wouldn't that be more appropriate? There you go. There you go, thinking like Rob Zombie. Good for you. All right. Duly noted. What's your name? I'm Diane. Diane, uh, you, uh, I'm sorry? You can put your face on the little fans and then have... Uh, different sponsors who want to sponsor the thing have the sponsorship tags on the back of it like the Do It Real Revivalist place. And then we'll take donations, and everyone can tithe 10%. There you go. All right, Diane, you call us anytime. Okay. All right, they go. That's a fantastic idea. Best audience ever. See, that it's like then it's like a thing inside of a thing inside of another thing that's sort of loosely wrapped in one other thing. Uh, you know, because then I get to do that all my... incredibly descriptive. I'm just saying it's like an enigma inside uh, a, uh, a sweater. Uh, then, I get to, then I get to do my revival fantasies. Uh, plus, it puts off the wake to Listener Party 13, when it's going to be more appropriate. Uh, plus, it lends itself to a theme, to decoration. Uh, it's interesting. We haven't done it before. All right, I'm going to file that away. All right, here's Tim Riley. An enema inside a sweater. Well, extras are seeking $12 million from Tom Cruise after an accident. This is during the filming of his World War II picture of Valkyrie in Berlin last year. The extras were injured when the side panel of a period German army truck burst open as it drove around a quarter in central Berlin. A lawyer for the extras uh, tells Reuters that witnesses indicate the truck's side panel was not completely secured. Uh, there are all kinds of broken bones involved in, well, this, this picture has become a mess. But can you imagine... The crowd seeing all these people dressed as Nazis going through downtown oh, Berlin. That's got to be awkward. Even Tom Cruise can't get away with it. Anyway, uh, these uh, bruised extras want $11 million from Tom Cruise. Well, you know, it's... Uh, but, uh, okay, here's what I don't understand about that. I was to understand... This Nazi movie's coming out on Christmas. <laughs> this Nazi movie. Mm -hmm. um, what better true. way to celebrate the birth of Christ than by going to see a parade of Nazis at your local multiplex? So... But I was to understand that in Germany you couldn't have any sort of representation of old Nazi iconography. Unless so you're Tom Cruise, apparently. But see, I wouldn't think that Tom Cruise's stock would be all that high, especially because in Germany. Scientology. That's what I was going to say, because unless I'm wrong, and I don't think I am, I do believe that in Germany Scientology is considered a cult. It is not considered a real religion. I think legally speaking, uh, Scientology is not recognized as a legitimate that is, faith. That is completely correct. I was just reading it here. And so it doesn't really seem like Tom Cruise is going to have a whole lot of pull in Germany. 
And plus, he's not working. He's not with Paramount anymore, is he? No, he's with uh, UA, isn't he? He's like some. Oh, I don't really know. I mean, because then he was because he had like an independent production company that was putting it together. Yeah. Anyway, you know, as everybody sort of, if you're a Kiss fan, you know that if you go to Germany and you see Kiss merchandise in Germany, it can't have those S's that look like lightning bolts. They got to look like Z's because you can't have anything that is Nazi iconography. Oh, so this movie is pre- uh, being produced by MGM's United Artists Banner, which Cruz runs with business partner Wagner. Well, I don't know what the first name is. I don't know. Uh, well, let me just say that I'm almost wholly uninterested uh, in this picture. So it doesn't really, uh, doesn't really affect me at all. Uh, it doesn't bring out the holiday spirit. No, it really doesn't. Uh, just one second here. Richie, are we going to be speaking with Sarah Dillon? All right, excellent. Uh, okay, so here's what we got um, at this point in the show. I have an amusing anecdote to tell. Uh, then we've got, um, uh, we're going to talk to Sarah Dillon. Uh, we have, I have some other things set aside that seemed vast. Oh, the, uh, the CBS harassment quiz, uh, which we haven't taken. Tim, are you, uh, are you staying or are you going to prepare news? I want to prepare news, but I should be back shortly. All right. I hope. All right. So we'll, uh, so we'll do that. Uh, more news with Tim Riley at the bottom of the hour. We got the top five coming out. Top five rock songs, uh, or, uh, rock songs based on a book. Like us at three, like America Show at seven, and so forth. All right, I got to stop and take a breath. All right, there we go. All right, I'm just do a couple of these notes. Uh, then, oh, and then by the way, I spent like 90 minutes uh, well, uh, this weekend. Here's a little. Let me pull back the the curtain for a moment. But before we do that, let me finish this visa. Ah, that's what I'm talking about. All right. So I spent about 90 minutes on. Uh, Saturday, Sunday, something or other, uh, going through. We have this thing here called an audio vault. And the audio vault is just it's this big operating system whose sole purpose is to record, store, and then presumably play back in a correct fashion uh, all of the various audio elements uh, that make up all the programming on the station. So it's a liner, a jingle, or a commercial, or whatever. And with astonishing and irritating frequency, we were hearing things on the air that ended with the phrase, solid state radio. So I spent about an hour and a half just going through the system one unbelievably tedious file at a time, manually deleting everything that said solid-state radio. And so I think I got most of them out, but while I was in there, I came across a couple old top fives that had been put in the system. I don't know what they were about. Uh, I don't know what the top fives were. I don't know what the theme was. I have no idea. So we're now going to do a bit that may be wholly uninteresting to everybody else. Uh, but, but it's one of those things that I got to do because otherwise it's going to sit and it's going to kind of tickle my brain. So in the uh, AVRPS, Kristen. Okay. Uh, I believe if you can go to the AVRPS, I think there's a series of files, and I think it is A top five zero one. Is that coming up as a file? No. How about A top five one? No. How are you spell? Are you using the number five? Or are you spelling it out? Oh, I'm using the number. Try spelling it out. That worked. All right. So there should be, I think, either five or six of these. So what we're going to do now, for no readily apparent reason, is to go through these. And this is a thing only being done to satisfy my own curiosity. So we're now going to quickly go through these, and then we are going to attempt to deduce what the theme of this top five was. Keep in mind, I have no idea what ties all these songs together. Uh, So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I give you these five songs. All right. What is the first song here? Well, this has got to be a top five Weird Al. It almost has to be. Yeah. Does it say what date I put this in? Wow. 
Yeah, I have no idea what's on his top five. I just saw that there was an old top five, which I think is from like 18 months ago, sitting in the system. Wow, what a great song still. You know, I got drilled by Chris Paddock relentlessly this morning about the Weird Al show and what he played and what he didn't. Really? Here, let me just say this about Weird Al. First of all, a couple things. A, this is sort of, I've only really ever seen this uh, at Kiss before last night. But, I mean, I would say that there was a whole passel of kids there who couldn't have been any more than six or seven years of age, all the way up to, like, you know, guys that were probably 50. I mean, it really was a true multi-generational experience at Weird Al last night. And then you realize there are kids who are there who know every single word to, like, white and nerdy or do uh, It's All About the Pentiums. And then there's you know, guys who know every single word to Another One Rides the Bus or something. I mean, it's just, and you then are sort of astonished by the fact that Weird Al Yankovic has had a career longer than most of the bands that he's actually parodied. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, Weird Al drew a larger crowd last night than the crowds drawn by a lot of actual rock acts that I've seen in venues over the last decade the power or so. Of Dr. Demento. Seriously. All right. Okay. So this is so this is Weird Al My Bologna. What is the next cut on this top five? And I think it should just be uh, if that was one or whatever. I think it should be two. Well, this doesn't make any sense at all. This is the Ohio Express. Well, this already makes no sense. And this is labeled top five? Yeah. Could it be about food? Maybe. Top five things about food? I guess it's entirely possible. I mean, it should be noted, by the way... Savvier listeners out there will deduce correctly that the song is not really about food. Well, yeah. By the way, this is one of my top uh, six favorite pop songs of all time. Just like FYI. All right, I have no idea. All right, let's do the uh, let's do whatever the next cut is on this list. Is that the sound of a needle hitting vinyl? Yes. Okay, well, this makes even less sense now because this is Nobody by Sylvia. We at least had a little bit of a lead. And this makes no sense at all. And I presumably put this top five together. All right, number one was My Bologna by Weird Al. Number two was Chewy Chewy by the Ohio Express. What a great song this is. You know, as much as people make sort of snarky comments about uh, how modern country is not really country and it's overproduced and it's really pop, I will say even the most egregiously slick Shania Twain recording has more country in it than this, which was a country gold song. Do you know the song? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It plays over a couple all the time. Really? Yeah, they have an oldie show on Sunday, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., and it plays constantly. That's Don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, a couple's fine radio station and uh, a vastly successful radio station. Uh, I would say... Uh, I mean, very well done and, uh, you know, repeatedly kicking the teeth out of its competition. Uh, and so, and I love this song, but I mean, there's just... It fits in with the style of show that it plays in, though. This really is from a different era in American country. Yeah. By the way, you look at the cover of this 33, which I own, and she's just, she's got full-on, like, Princess Leia lip gloss. I mean, it blinds you. <laughs> Such a great song. Here's a great thing about the song. First of all, my wife has this on a, on a 45 at home. 
Here's the great. Listen to this. And she, her whole thing is like she's going to. Can you back this up over on the AVRPS? Here's the great thing about this song. Uh, Nobody by Sylvia. So if you listen to the opening stanza and, in fact, the chorus, the theory is that her husband is effing somebody else, uh, a, a fact about which she is you know, displeased. But when she gets to the sort of finale of the song and the final stanza, her whole plan is is just to, like, slut it up so totally and successfully that he stays with her because she's, like, hotter than the other girl. It's not like, you know, the making a play for him, you know, in terms of loyalty or the morality or we've got children together or just, hey. You're turning yourself into house, yeah. the sleazy bar yeah. chick. No, I mean, really, if you listen, we'll, get, we'll play this again. If you listen to the song, she's got this whole thing that if, like, she can F her husband, like, well enough that he then will stop banging the cocktail waitress or whoever it is. How far back did you uh, go? I just, like, back up, like, 30 seconds or so. Okay. The joy of technology. Yeah, right. really. This top five doesn't make any sense at all. Such a great song. All right, so it's like the line when she talks about having one chance left or one shot left. Sylvia is now. I know she's hanging out with Charlie Pride somewhere. All right, uh, that's that's what the third song. Yeah. All right, still no theme. All right, let's see whatever the, what the next uh, song in the top five is. So we had uh, the Weird Al, we had Chewy Chewy, we had uh, Nobody by Sylvia. Here is song the fourth. Is this some Fight Club thing where I had some alternate persona who came in here and deliberate, deliberately created a top five that didn't make any sense? <laughs> yeah, I this is, There's nothing. This, no is, idea. this is just crap. There's nothing that links these songs together. Weird Al, Ohio Express, Sylvia, and Billy Ocean. Well, that's another guy that just vanished. Yeah. No, it's, it, 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 it's, I feel like the rest of my body is slowing down because there's so much CPU power in, in my head being drained by the attempt out. to string these songs <laughs> together. All right, let's do uh, whatever the fifth one is here. All right, so that was Billy Ocean. I almost feel like we got to give a copy of that shield thing to somebody who can tell me what the hell the, the thread was tying all of these songs together. All right, here's song number five on the mystery top five. Were these songs all from the same year? Well, no, because the Ohio Express song is from, like, 1966. All right, seriously, please to tell me, if anybody knows or remembers, if anybody knows why I did this top five, or if you know what the thread is tying these together. I mean, we've done this in the past where we'll sort of, but we'll deliberately come in with a top five where I know the theme, but nobody else does. And then we'll do, like, a content, like, if you're color five and you can tell me the theme. All I hear is the Starbucks song now when I hear those. Totally. 
Okay. Weird Al, The Ohio Express, Sylvia, Billy Ocean, Starship. I got, I have so much nothing. This, this is all, this is just full of fail here. I have, all right, let's do whatever the final track is. All right, we'll go to the final track. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, this is the final track on this mystery top five. Lover Boy, loving every minute of it, produced by Mutt Lang. God, what a terrible song this is. God, the 80s sucked. I mean, look, and I say this as a man who was there, all right? I was deep. I don't remember most of it. I was, I was, I was hip deep in the S, all right? I was, I, I was on the front lines of the 80s. I can say this with absolute was, authority. The 80s were terrible. I was young enough to skate underneath all of it. Here's the thing. When you listen to the song, you realize that Mutt Lang only does have like three tricks in his production bag because he uses all of these same production techniques on every Def Leppard record he ever produced and all of the Shania Twain songs that he produced. I mean, this You're is right. for, for all intents and purposes, this is a song of pyromania or hysteria. A generation produced such bad music. I wish I could build a career off of free tricks. Yeah, I got nothing. Is this the final song? Yeah. All right. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, Richie Bristol, do you want to obtain Sarah Dillon? We'll talk to her, and then we'll take a break and come back. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What the hell was I thinking when I put this together? These like the worst songs of 1985. Well, see, that's what I would have thought, except that the Ohio Express Chewy Chewy is from the 60s. And then Weird Al. He's not bad. No, I mean, you know, and I would never put Weird Al on a worst of anything list. So, yeah, I have right. nothing. I, I have nothing tying these together. Any producer, were they the same? I don't know. No, no. The it's, albums uh... were the same thickness? What? I mean, come on. All right. Thank nothing. you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson I radio program. What the hell was I thinking? You were thinking these were songs that you loved in your youth. I remember this distinctly. Uh, I don't think that's true because that sort of implies that I don't like them now. No, but I mean, these are like things of your youth that you, you I think it was songs that I like in my youth that are a little, little kitschy, a little corny, but I still really defend them with all my heart as being mm. decent, good songs. Now, let me ask you this. Do you believe that that is, in fact, what the top five was, or are you sort of retconning this? No, no, I'm not back-engineering it. This is, uh, I, this is not retroactive kudos, continuity? Kudos to my wife, actually. She jogged my memory. I was thinking of another theme, and then she said, no, these I distinctly remember these were songs that he loved of his, in his youth. Top five songs that I unashamedly loved yeah. and or still love, uh -huh. yet might which be viewed as embarrassing exactly. now. Exactly. Mm, all right. I will accept that only in the absence of another more convincing answer. Well, can you uh, pass me back to Richie? You win nothing. Thank you. Uh, all right. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show our good friend, the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon in... Uh, hey, where are you I at? don't know if you're picking up. I can't hear you. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hey, where are you at, sister? Hi. I'm actually in Greenwich Village right now, and I'm, I just got to the street... Uh, that the Ghostbusters house was on, so huh. I'm trying to find that right now. Fantastic. No, there's a, if it's the same way as it was set up when I was there, there's like a, they've written, they've actually spray painted on the ground a series of arrows that lead you right to the Ghostbusters fire station. Awesome. Well, yeah, I'm walking there right now because it's at 14 North, uh, whatever street I'm on. Sorry, I'm totally out of breath. I've been lost all day. And That's my okay. killing me, but I'm going to find this goddamn house. So you're, now wait a minute, you're looking for the fire station, not, uh, the fire station, not yeah. Sigourney Weaver's apartment building. 
No. Because they're two oh, different God. buildings. All no, right. no, no, I'm pretty sure because no, it's a fully functioning uh, fire department. So. All right. No, the fire station is pretty fantastic. And like it, like a tool, I got my picture taken in front of it. And, of course, the great thing about it is, depending on when you go, there's always going to be about five other nerds hanging around waiting for their chance to get their photo taken. Okay, uh, yay. Yeah. So. Really, I feel like a total dork. All right. How, how are you guys? How's everything? Uh, we're fantastic. So, hey, did you know, were you here when we said that we're cooking a whole pig? No. Apparently, there's going to be. This is. You'll be back when this happens. I guess it's in September. There's going to be. I swear to God, CBS Radio is having a thing called Pig Fest. Oh wait. Pig Fest 08, implying a series of pig fests to come, where we're going to be cooking an entire pig in the back parking lot of this radio station. Oh my God. So you have that to look forward to on your return. Well, I'm I'm totally excited for Pig Fest. Uh, so you so wait. So you got to New York when? Friday night, Saturday morning, something? Yeah. So I got there. Yes, I got here. My flight was delayed for like an hour. Got here. Saturday morning, just didn't sleep, just started running around. Um, my sister and I went and got our tattoos on Sunday, and, and uh, then, then they turned out really cool. I'll, I'll get a picture for you. And, so that um, was going to be my question. Is uh, yeah, because we were talking. You called me earlier this morning, and you said that you couldn't get a really good ta- a picture of the tattoo because you were having to like, you know, you have to like put lotion or something on it. It was kind of yeah, shiny. I have all the A and D ointment on it, and I really don't want them to, you know, in any way get all crusty and gross. So I've been like reapplying the A and D ointment, so they're kind of shiny. Excellent. So I'm gonna get one today and put it and put it on the internet for you. Uh, and then. And then yeah, so then I went to the show. I went to Yellow Tango, and uh, my sister and I were standing in line. Some dude gave us random VIP passes, and so we went backstage, and David Cross was standing right next to us. Really? Yeah, I totally wanted to scream to buy us. But I I'll uh, I'll take things that only happen to the Dylan sisters for uh, for a thousand. Did you not talk? Did you not make a? You didn't mention Arrested Development to him? No, no, I didn't say anything because he was just watching the show, and he seemed like really into them. I didn't want to say anything. And he does. Uh, the uh, so oh, yes, sorry. yeah no 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 you can say you, you can say what I said not what you said um, no, I thought, as soon as I said it I'm like oh, no 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 I, he does seem he seems like one of those guys that is so funny and so sort of smart uh, that he probably is like many of us on this program and just doesn't get along with people I found the firehouse what I'm look I found the firehouse I'm looking at it right now how cool is that awesome. oh my god and the big Ghostbusters sign it I think I'm gonna go take a picture I'm gonna see if they're gonna let me go in and take a picture oh, of course they will. You're okay, Sarah. I feel like it's cool. And then, uh, and then, but on Saturday, you guys was it Saturday? You guys went to see the uh, the Pierces that band. Yeah, went and saw the Pierces at like this really small, um, this really small area. They only sold like 160 tickets to sell out the venue, so we got a couple of the last tickets. Saw them; they're beautiful and talented. And Heather and I wanted to kill ourselves, and we left about <laughs> 20 minutes into it because they just had the full packets. It's like we just felt like failures. And they're the uh, that that is the they're not sisters, right? They're just like two girls, but they do that song, the uh, two can keep a secret if one of them's dead. Yep, yep, and they did it and they harmonized it perfectly and everything. It was just absolutely flawless. It was so gorgeous. Yes. And um, yeah, so saw them Saturday night, saw Yola Tingo on Sunday night. I uh, went out and about. Oh, can you hear that? Yeah. That's a firefighter with a chainsaw. I don't know what he's doing. Fantastic. So yeah, tonight. Oh, this is what I was going to tell you. So tonight, I am going to a club and guess who is. Spinning for five dollars, and I, then I get to meet him. I have no idea. Andrew WK, maybe. <gasps> no, really? It's like five I guess bucks. it's a bar that he owns, and he DJs there all the time, and he's DJing <sighs> tonight. And my sister's like, I don't know, we're gonna go to the bar. It's like, you like that Andrew WK guy? I'm like, uh, uh yeah. And she's like, oh yeah, because he spins with this thing, so we're gonna go there and, and dance Andrew WK music. Uh, I'm consumed with jealousy. Isn't that less than a pack of cigarettes? Yeah, it was. Huh? It, hey, so is it true? Are cigarettes really twelve dollars there? Yes. Jesus, that's no, just insane. WK. Seriously. Uh, okay, I felt kind of like a, I felt kind of gross. I knew I was going to be going out the whole week, so I actually bought a carton in Oregon and then brought them here. It's because you're classy. Because I'm a classy broad. All right, excellent. Uh, well, I will let you uh, go get your uh, photo taken like a dork at the Ghostbusters Firehouse. 
okay, wish me luck. I'm totally going to go in. And they're getting all, like, suited up or something. All right. Call us tomorrow. Let us know how it turned out. Okay, we will do. All right. There you go. Sarah Dillon, ladies and gentlemen, in the uh, great city of New York. All right. Fantastic. So there was somebody running around with a power saw? I guess. I was sort of unclear about... I uh, suppose that's normal. That sounds like one of those phone calls where you're like, you know... On the phone, she can be heard saying a man is running a power saw in the background. That was the last time she was... And then they just cut to a suitcase by the side of the road. I'll uh, play us in the break here, Kristen. We'll come back. Tim Riley, have you news for us? Yes. All right, fantastic. Uh, we'll come back. News from Tim Riley. Got a secret. Can you keep it sweet? And the top five. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. In your pocket, taking this one to the grave. If I show you, then I know you won't tell what I said. Cause two can keep a secret if one of them is dead. Why do you smile like you've been told a secret? Now you're telling lies. To keep it, but no one keeps a secret. No one keeps a secret. Why, when we do our darkest deeds, do we tell? They burn in our brains, become a living hell. Cause everybody tells, everybody tells. Got a secret, can you keep it? Swear this one you say that a lie. And uh, one more thing. All right. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. It is the Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, thank you for coming along. Like us at 3, Michael Maris Show uh, at 7. All right. You know, I've gotten an astonishing number of things done today. It doesn't feel that way. It seems like we've gotten nothing done. In fact... Many items checked off the list. We got half of the things done today. Which is, I mean, and normally I would say we bat no better than 25%. That's uh, true. I even got the mystery top five taken care of. Although, having, although actually, uh, I was looking at my own notes, and I believe there's actually two of those. I think there's actually two separate mystery top fives in the audio vault. There's that one, and then there's a one with a slightly different file naming structure. Uh, so we'll do the other one tomorrow. Uh, let's see. Well, we may or may not have time to do the CBS or harassment quiz. If not, we'll do it tomorrow. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, tomorrow, our guests will include uh, Mr. Skin and uh, so forth and whatnot. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, your personal savior. And now, now. though, from the Ministry of Truth, Man. this is Tim Riley. A communications glitch is causing delays of flights across the USA. The FAA urging you to check your airport in case your flight may be affected. Uh, this is from a Georgia facility that processes flight plans for the eastern half of the U.S. It's causing flight delays around the country. At least a dozen major airports are affected. So uh, check your flight times. You know, it's, uh, I'm not saying the two things are related, Tim, but I will say it's strange that you had uh, you know, that train delay on the same day that there was like 100 different train delays. And now all the airports are affected by something. Hmm. I wonder if these two incidents have some connection. That is strange, isn't it? They probably don't. A man with a previous arson conviction is sitting behind bars in Marion County for allegedly leaving a bomb, a hoax bomb, on the steps of the Marion County Sheriff's Parole and Probation substation. 43-year-old Patrick Michael Lee is charged with disorderly conduct, possession of a hoax destructive device, and multiple counts of menacing. 
A brown bag with wire sticking out was discovered around 8 a.m., forcing the building to become evacuated. The Salem bomb squad doused it with water cannons before determining, well, there was nothing to it. It was a box full of wires. Uh, Lee later admitted to planting the hoax device. They believe he's also responsible for leaving another hoax at the same location a few weeks ago. He'd been on post-prison supervision, stemming from an arson conviction in 2005. You know, he's not doing well in the real world. Post-prison supervision always just ends with a guy going back to jail, right? That's the, that's the I thing. let him out. I, why indeed, Tim? Why indeed? All right. I, is this, he was, what, he's an arson guy? Yes. Well, you know, I mean, look, I don't... All I know about arson and the psychology of arsonists comes from the movie Backdraft. So, you know, sort of, take this at whatever value you will. But it does seem like arson comes from some permanently broken place inside your head. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a thing of, like, the exposed wiring. <laughs> exactly. That's, it's, it is the unfinished ductwork of the human psyche. Um, I mean, it's not like, you know, you, like you're broke and you need some money, and so you mug a guy for 20 bucks or something, or... Uh, you know, or you have one too many and you drive your car into a light pole or perhaps into a busload full of nuns. I mean, the, the arson thing, which is where you're sort of that creepy, that creepy Donald Sutherland Hannibal Lecter character guy where you're just sitting around going, I want to burn everything. Like that, that doesn't seem like a thing you're really going to fix by putting a guy in a cell for a while and having some people poke him with things. Oh, by the way, speaking of being poked with things, so, um, so you know, yesterday I had to go to the doctor and I've talked about this, I to fast for like 19 hours, or I inadvertently fasted for 19 hours. Uh, and just was all woozy, just bad. I probably shouldn't even have driven to the hospital yesterday, uh, you know, but yeah. but I did. Uh, so, uh, but anyway, so I had to do two different doctor things yesterday because I'm just rife with deficiencies. So I had this thing where I went and they were checking my cholesterol, which, and I don't even know, I've never had it done before, first of all. So I don't even really know what they do. I mean, what do they look at, there's a number or something they give you? Is that the deal? Yeah, they give you a number. And what what number should I have? I guess it depends on your weight. Uh, let's say for the sake of argument, my weight is 185. I'm not sure. I know what my my number is. Let's say for the sake of argument that my weight is like 130 and I'm perfect in every way. No, let's go back to your weight. Uh-huh. Well, it's perfect for your uh, body size, I suppose. But they'll give me a number between, well, like one and a thousand or something? I guess so, yes. Well, whatever. Anyway. Usually in the hundreds. So I've never, uh, so I've never, I've never had the, my cholesterol tested, so I had to go and get that done. But the, uh, the other thing is, so I, you know, I take, um, it's not a secret, so I take trazodone, which is a sleeping aid. Uh, and so I had to, and I think one of the things you do when you call to get a refill, like when your prescription is up and you call, and my wife has told me this, that when you call to get your refill or you're, you know, you're talking to a pharmacist, the pharmacists have to go through a lot of extra training because they have to suss out people that are, as they say in the trade, drug-seeking, meaning people who are really just uh, don't really need the drug but just like the feel of it. Uh, perhaps you've broken your ankle and been prescribed Vicodin, or perhaps uh, oxycodone. Yeah. Uh, and uh, maybe you find that that gives you a pleasant sort of numbing sensation, like you're floating on a warm, pillowy cloud through a gumdrop world filled with candy cane trees and I taffy think I lakes. I talked to you in a couple of those times. Yes, you did. Uh, anyway, so I have to call the pharmacist, and I'm talking to the pharmacist, and she's like, "Give me the questions about the trazodone and to get the, the refill or whatever." And then I realize, I realize later on that I the entire time. And I'll just give it away. It's one of the songs in the top five. I realize that the entire time the doctor is talking to me about this drug refill, I have Jefferson Airplane's White Rabbit blaring in the background. <laughs> <laughs> so she's, and I didn't even realize it at the time. So she's talking to me about like, okay, you're not exceeding your recommended daily dosage. You're following all the rules. Now, are you only taking this drug when you need it? You're not taking this recreationally? <laughs> And I'm and I'm saying, no, 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 I'm not a junkie. And meanwhile, in the background, there's the, you know, 
there's the grace like wailing about one pig one pill makes you larger and one pill makes you small because <laughs> I was calling from my office <laughs> Tim finds this amusing I do that's why I love doing the show so I was just sitting there talking to the pharmacist, trying to convince her I'm not a junkie. I'm not. Uh, meanwhile, White Rabbit is blaring at full volume in the background. I mean, it like made no. I mean, it made no sense, but it made all the sense in the world. And I, I, you know, it, it, one of those things I didn't really notice till I hung up. And I hung up the phone I'm like, well, that went well. And then I look at my computer, and Grace Slick is, you know, feed your head. You know, I just thought to myself, ah, crap. I probably just screwed myself out of a refill. Glad I can amuse, Tim. Would you like to take a moment to collect your thoughts? No, I'm I'm collected as always. All right, here's Tim Riley. Okay, but where are we doing? I now? have no idea. <laughs> I'm trying to get caught up, and uh, oh, let's revisit a story we talked about yesterday. Three bears that were chased away from a New Jersey backyard after a tiny puppy scared them are back today. Neighbors watch as the three bears snagged a backyard bird feeder from a house before heading back into the woods. The police say they received numerous calls about bear sightings this summer in that fine community. Uh, politicians are known for some lame jokes, but when Otis the Bull Man Hansley uh, tried the generation-old uh, Appalachian joke on a woman and two girls in a grocery store, the family thought it was downright criminal. Uh, he earned, uh, well, an, a reputation for his oddball antics as a long-shot gubernatorial candidate. He spent three days in jail in an eastern Kentucky coal town. This is an, an old Appalachian joke? Yes, it is. Is it a rapey joke? Uh, something similar. Okay. Uh, Jay Leno makes jokes every night and he makes millions, said, uh, <laughs> said Bullman Hensley. I make a joke and I go to jail. The ordeal began when Hensley's wife sent him to a local grocery store to buy drowned beef. While there, he encountered a woman and her two nieces, age 11 and 13. I offered to trade her a fattening hog for those girls. I meant it as a joke. I said it a million times. Most people get a kick out of it. Well, the woman didn't laugh and said the family obtained a warrant for his arrest. <laughs> Excellent. Claiming the uh, content was intended to entice children into illegal sexual activity. How much for the little girl? He absolutely meant no harm, said his lawyer. It was a joke to him. Uh, Appalachian uh, scholar said the, uh, the joke <laughs> made has been around for generations. Actually, it's intended as a compliment. I heard many variations of it. The Appalachian scholar. He's working on an exhaustive pamphlet about this, the region. This from the uh, the college's Appalachian Center. You might hear. Wow. That's a good-looking boy. I'll trade you for a pocket knife. But political correctness has ruined country humor. And also laws. They've also ruined that humor, I think. And mm -hmm. all right. That's a and good taste. They are the uh, they are the common clay, Tim. Appalachian giggles. <laughs> Life in these Appalachian states. All right. I got one more here. All right. It's also from the south. A man who grabbed a knife to try to get his two young kids out of a locked car died when he fell on the knife. Twenty-two-year-old Miguel Riviera Lamas died at a local medical center after stabbing himself in the chest. The police are investigating, but said the death appears to have been an accident. The man and his wife had uh, just dropped by an apartment briefly before planning an errand, when they realized they locked their children and keys in the car. The woman searched with spare keys, and the husband grabbed a large butcher knife he hoped to use to pry the window open. Uh, instead, he uh, fell down the stairs and landed on the knife. The end. The end. All right. And that's it for now.
Shall we do the top five? Yes, we have bigger fish to fry. Ladies and gentlemen, your top five uh, for Tuesday five, on the Rick Emerson Show. Four, three, two, one, fire. Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count. By the way, two things. Any number of people are saying that that mystery top five must have been put together by Scotty J. Uh, says Rick, the lover boy, makes it reek of Scotty. Also, somebody else, uh, a listener says it was a top five from March 07. He, the listener, writes down all of your top fives. In a book made of skin. Hmm. Uh, here's Tim Riley. Perhaps Scotty was more popular here than his current employer. <laughs> his legacy lives on, Tim. And in the world of art, genres and media, and all other types, which may cross, interwine and combine to create works of indelible impression. Does anybody know what I just said? You know, said? Um, that was written yesterday when I hadn't eaten for 16 hours. Uh, Should I read that again? I hadn't had any food. I mean, these are all big words. And... And all of them put together in a sentence. And in the world of art, genres and media of all types may cross, intertwine, and combine to create works of indelible impression. Feed your head! <laughs> Perhaps no form of communication is more inspirational than the printed page, whose influence leads to astounding innovation. I'm so sorry. That's it was okay. kind of overwriting yesterday. Uh, these are the top five songs written about a book. That's how they taught me to write in Kennewick. No, it's very uh, literate. Mm-hmm. Uh, honorable mention goes to, based on Stephen King's apt pupil, Anthrax, Skeletons in the Closet. This is from the Among the Living uh, album, I think. So, raise your hand if you've read Apt Pupil by Stephen King. Anyone? Anyone? I'm still catching up on my Stephen King novel. Oh, man, it's a... This kind of this song kind of sucks in retrospect, but but I put it on because it's about not only Stephen King, but about a specific Stephen King novella, Apt Pupil. Apt Pupil is one of those really freaky stories where it's like the concept is so simple, you wonder why nobody came up with it, and then you realize it does take Stephen King. The concept of Apt Pupil is really basic. Yeah, this song is no good. Uh, but it's about a kid who realizes that the old man who lives next door is a Nazi war criminal. Uh, and so he threatens to turn the old guy in unless the old guy, like, tutors him in the ways of Nazidom. And then it just all goes bad, and or, you know, or worse. Uh, and it just, just ends poorly for everybody. Uh, made into a sort of disappointing movie with Brad Renfro. But Apt Pupil is a really messed up story. It's a, it's a half story, half novel. It is a novella, as I said. I think it's 48,000 words or something. But Yeah, this is not a good song. I, uh... I can imagine driving to the drive-up window to pick up your prescription with this flaring <laughs> under the screen. I need my Valium! <laughs> now! I promise not to abuse it. <laughs> Uh, the voices in my head are demanding more lithium. I, come on. Uh, top five songs uh, based on a book. Number five, based on Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland, Jefferson Airplane, and White Rabbit. Yeah, so this is playing in the background of my office uh, yesterday, full volume, because I was too lazy to reach over and turn it off. I'm busy talking to the woman about how I want more drugs, but I'm not abusing them. I have to say I don't like this song, largely because I had to play it like a jillion times. And I think... Maybe at the risk of sounding like I've grown up and have no soul. What does Ali Sheedy say? When you grow up, your heart dies. I just... Listen... Listen to this song now. It's just such hippie claptrap. 
Uh, Tim, you? how are you doing over there? Oh, just fine, thank you. <laughs> I need my trazodone, please. No, I'll hold. No, there's no there's no history of addiction in my family. I, hello? No, I'll hold. <laughs> and for some reason, it never even occurred to me, like during the phone call with the pharmacy, that I had this playing. I don't know why I didn't notice That's it at the time. It always is, though. It's yeah. always after the fact, then you're like, oh. Well, and you know, it's but it's like the notes have probably been written down on my personal file, right? Was listening to hallucinogenic music while placing order for drugs. Do not give. Must must have intervention before prescription like being, refill will be granted. It's like being on an important phone call and Lycus is in the background. Totally, yeah. yeah. I get a lot of people who tell me that they're you know they're doing something important at work and then like the penis watch comes on. <laughs> <laughs> These are the top five songs based on a book. Tim Riley, number four, based on John Steinbeck's Great the Rap, and the Grapes of Wrath, Bruce Springsteen, Ghost of Tom Jones. And a lot of people know this by the Rage Against the Machine cover, but I decided to go the original route, have uh, Springsteen. This, in turn, is based not only on the Grapes of Wrath, but also on the Guthrie song, just simply titled Tom Joad. I only read the Grapes of Wrath once when I was a little kid, and it was so depressing I vowed never to even look at it again. Yeah, I haven't picked it up for years. That just makes you want to kill yourself. Uh-huh. That's why I didn't make this honorable mention, by the way, because it's just like Johnny Buzzkill. You know, the good news, bad news about Springsteen is he is just a, he has such breadth and depth as an artist. You know, a lot of people think it's all just like Born to Run and Born in the USA or whatever. But he did this whole tour, I think two tours in a row, where he opened the concert. Like his big, you know, opening number to, 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 to signal the beginning of the evening was this, played exactly this way. Uh, and I think it was just really confused uh, a lot of people in the audience, I think. It's a jolly way to kick off the evening. Yeah, you know, he's, he's a little unpredictable. Wow. Ten beats a minute. Uh, these are the top five songs. Tim still has White Rabbit playing in his head, I can tell. <laughs> top five songs based on a book, Tim Riley. Number three, based on Anne Rand's book of the same name, Rush with Anthem. Right now, there's a bunch of pasty guys air guitaring in cubicles and cars. You know this is true. Do you hear that they made Rush play? I can't remember if it's Guitar Hero or Rock Band. Guitar Hero. Yeah, they got like 30% on, the, on their own song. On the Colbert Report, yeah. <laughs> I, I do believe you need to rush people to running to their keyboards to email me about this. I do know that uh, the whole first side of the 2112 album is also based on the book Anthem, but this, we're, we're doing individual songs, which is... Which, by the way, is also why Mastodon's album Leviathan is not on the list, because it's a whole album, not really, not just one song. Wow, I hate Rush. They all sound like this. Uh, I'm being too harsh. I don't really hate Rush, but boy, a little bit of Rush goes a long way with me. That's right about how I am. Like, they're great for what they are, but small doses. Jesus. I mean, it sounds like Donald Duck impersonating Robert Plant. I mean, I know, you know, most talented musicians in the history of the planet, and da 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 da, da the thinking man's rock band, da da da. 
And we're done. Uh, top five rock songs based on a book, Tim Riley. Number two, based on Anne Rice's The Vampire Lestat. Concrete Blonde with Bloodletting. This is a great song. This is the opening track of the album with the same name. Now, what a great album this is. It's almost like an honorary Cure song. This sounds a lot like the sort of Fascination Street era Cure. This is uh, the album, of course, this had the breakthrough single Joey on it, but uh, this is a strong album front to back. I will forego the long, tedious observation about Anne Rice and how she became like some weird nutcase born-again Pentecostal type and has renounced all of her vampire novels as evil. Such a great album. What's that? Now, I, I do uh, I do think they recorded this in a studio that was really near her house at the time in, in Nolens. All right. Counting down the top five songs written about a book, Tim Riley. Number one, based on Dalton Trumbo's Johnny Got His Gun Metallica with one. What the hell did it go? Right. There we go. All right. See, this is a good Metallica song. It really is. Well, that's why you can tell with that new Metallica song, they went to the sort of guitar tone and the drum uh, sound and the production style of this, of Justice for All. Uh, so this is based on Johnny Got His D- uh, Gun, which is this weird book that's written largely without punctuation, kind of an E.E. E. Cummings kind of a thing. Uh, and then, of course, this song and this video came out, and everybody was like, Johnny Got His Gun, righteous. And it, the book was then subsequently stolen out of every uh, library in America. So, all right. Thank you for your help, Tim Riley, and for snickering only slightly at my White Rabbit Pharmacy adventure. I consider it very amusing. I'll be back for more tomorrow. Patient seems drug-seeking. Deny refill. All right, Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, greatest newsman in the history of the world, back at 4, 5, 6, and 7. Top of the hour all the way through Lycus. Back to wrap it up after this, ladies and gentlemen. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, tomorrow, our guest will include Mr. Skin, and uh, tomorrow giving away another copy of Season 6 of The Shield on DVD, which does not premiere tonight, regardless of what you might have been told by Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. That is, in fact, uh, next week. And no, I haven't seen Mad Men. I'm going to watch it tonight. I got I had stuff to do. I had things. Uh, let's get some calls here. We'll uh, take these to the top. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Bring it. Hey, Rick, I was thinking of a good top five uh, for you. Yeah. How about top five songs not to have in the background when you're getting a psychotropic uh, script? Hey, refill? seriously, that's not a bad idea. Top like five. Sister Morphine, maybe. Non-Sister or... Morphine. Good reference. Top five non-prescription songs. Maybe I'll put that together for tomorrow, sir. All right, and you can totally. dedicate that to Chuck. All right, thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Is this me? Yes, it is. Hello, sir. All right. Uh, Rick, I just want to know uh, what you thought about Tool. The band tool? Yeah, I never hear you talking about it. Uh, well, i got to say this. It's funny. Somebody just asked me about this the other day. Two things. A, it's my uh, experience that things come in threes, and people who are really into tool are also always into Rage Against the Machine and Primus. Uh, so I got kind of burned out on because I had a roommate who played tool constantly. 
So I recognize their talent as, as a band. Uh, I myself don't really sit around and listen to them because like, I kind of got burned out. Right. All right. Thank, All right, thank, you. thank you, my friend. All right, no time to be fair to another caller. Like us next, Michael Mara's show at 7. Rick Emerson's show produced today by Kristen Bowie for AM 970. The talker in the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phone. Ricky Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave's in. Webmistress Bridget from upstairs. Director of Engineering, Brian Jones. CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan Don't F with me, Reynolds. We want to thank Nina Parker, Jim Roop, Steve Kastenbaum, and Dick Uliano. Uh, like us next, Michael Mara's show at 7. See you at 10 for the recap, 11 for the show. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Watch out for snakes, and uh, we'll see you all tomorrow. I'm huge. Bye.